Sirius 197, XM202, the virus. The Ron and Fez show starts right now. I mean, I, I'm just wondering, you know, what happens? What happens when everybody comes back? What do you mean? Like, do I turn into a pumpkin? Basically, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Why not? Because how can anything possibly matter right now? You know what your problem is, Shapiro? It's that you just have this really shitty way of looking at things, you know? I don't have that problem. I just look at the dopeness. But you, it's like you just look at the whackness. You know?
Okay, let's get down to it, boppers. Oh, buddies, it's the Run of Faith show as they continue to try to steal from us. Every call, a bad call. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, Chris Stanley, that little old band from Texas, Texas Triplets. On a weekday. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We'll be looking for your... Ichibans. Ichibans, of course, being... Your chance to talk about what the folks are talking about. Eddie in St. Louis, you're going to be first, buddy. Oh, Ronnie, I am fucking livid. We just got another goal taken away from us, man, and it was clearly not offsides. I don't understand why this shit keeps happening. I guess because we're the American Empire, and there's been so much that has gone our way over the years that the rest of the world wants to get even with us in the little game of soccer. I'm telling you, uh, and I don't, I didn't, I couldn't tell whether it was offsides or not, but you were sure about it. Uh, yeah, they they just showed it, and it was clearly. I mean, even the commentators said they replayed it a couple of times. But that insult to injury, did you see that shit? They fed the ball right in front. And then out the door, fucking tries to kick Oh, please. And I got that asshole in my fucking fantasy. I had a great feeling about him last night. Moved him over. Um, and I didn't see the halftime at all. I tried to watch the first half at my uh, house. Up in the car over here and fucking just made it in time. Oh, Jesus Christ. Why did I ever get into this crazy-ass sport? No hands ball. But we're a second-half ball club. We know that. We are the second half ball club. That's what we're known for. We're the closers. We ABC the entire time. Uh, John, what do you got for me, buddy? Hey, uh, France and South Africa. They're out. France and South Africa are both out. France, uh, just a fucking big cereal bowl full of fun. You couldn't have asked for more out of France. The, uh, the rest of them. Don't have the kind of style France has of fucking imploding in public. You can't beat that. All right, time for you to pick up your telephone. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Looking for those Ichibans, those Ichibans today. My Ichiban, Owen Hart's widow, is suing the WWE uh, (laughs) for using her husband in a DVD and some other promotional materials. Mm Mm-hmm. While Linda McMahon is trying to get the Republican nomination for Senate out of Connecticut. I don't see the connection. So she's run, they're running things of him in her Senate race? No, it's uh, the WWE says this is purely political. This is the Hart family trying to hurt Linda McMahon. The Hart family lives in Canada, not Connecticut. And Bret Hart's back as the general manager as far as I know. Yeah, I'm not getting the connection there. So you got some Canadians. <clears throat> I guess the image is being used. She'd like to uh, be paid for it. I don't see what's political about it. 
I think what's going to happen is we're going to see about a line of dead wrestlers all linked to Linda McMahon. Mike, you're on the Ron and Fez show. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you, Ron? Good. Hey, I uh, just wanted to talk about uh, General McChrystal and the soap opera in the White House this morning. Kind of uh, interesting whether or not he's going to have a job here at the uh, end of the morning. Well, uh, what time are they? What time is his meeting with the president? He, he has had the meeting, is my understanding. He's been out of it for about 30 minutes, and the, uh, the White House is supposed to get together the national security team and talk about it, but uh, no time's been given yet. Uh, the interesting thing about that is it kind of uh, works against the president no matter what happens. If he leaves, he's a martyr. He gets to go on the Fox News show. If he stays... It makes Obama look like uh, a pussy. But, yeah. um, you know, I don't know what, I don't know how you get it to fucking general without understanding how things run. Uh, you're just never going to be able to badmouth your boss, no matter what job you have in the press. It's just fucking, they never let anything get in the way of the fucking money. You know, you can get away with a lot of shit. Until you start to act like your boss is doing a fucked up job. And then that's the end of it. Then they're like, what? We got to get rid of this guy. Now, if you got a boss like right ahead of you, you can fuck with that guy. The guy ahead of him, you can probably fuck with him a little bit. But, at a certain, you know, it's like sometimes we bust Rob Cross's balls. Sometimes we uh, bust Steve Blatter's balls. Then you generally stop about there, you know? Basically, if we feel like uh, someone at the head of the company has done a horrible thing, we blame it on Rob Cross. That's his job to take that. You can't go around saying, well, not only uh, does the president not know what he's doing, but he seems like he's a pussy. You're never going to be able to get away with that gimmick. But again, it, be, it puts... Um, uh, it puts him in a fucking tough situation. Uh, River Rat, you're on Running Fest. Hey, how you doing, Ronnie B and Fest? Um, the meeting started at 9.51, and basically, General McChrystal, uh, he's a very good general, and uh, still being in the military as I am, uh, all the troops support him, all right? And basically, I think the message he's going to end up giving the president is uh, either fucking support me and back me up, spank me on the ass and send me back and let me continue doing my job, or fucking let me go so I can go fishing in upstate New York. Uh, well, I don't think it'll uh, fucking come down to that. I really don't think so. I mean, supposedly he went walking uh, in there um, with the resignation already written out, and he kind of feels like he fucked up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, NBC, NBC asked him about that, and he laughed at him in their face, and he said, are you crazy? Because that's already been reported. Uh, somebody released that. I was on. I don't know if it was on Drudge or no. CBS News ran that report, and then they quoted MEC, um, one of the news outlets. I'm sorry, I'm not looking at. It, I'm driving as I'm talking on a cell phone. But um, yeah, one of the news outlets said that he had already typed up a resignation. He was asked about that this morning, and he laughed at him in their face. And he said, "Are you crazy? You know, no." Uh, you know? He he might be the fucking greatest general in the world. I don't I don't know enough about what he does. But I will tell you this, Rat, the Pat Tillman thing that supposedly he was part of the cover-up, he can fuck himself forever because of that to me. To me, this is one of the more 
embarrassing things uh, from the whole Afghanistan war when they... Uh, oh, fuck! I cannot believe what it's like to follow this stupid fucking sport. Oh, right off the goddamn crossbar. And then we can't finish again after that. It's frustrating. But I'll never be able to forgive the guy for that. And um, the I know no one wants to read the book, but there's going to be a documentary coming out on it, I believe, this year. Um, and people need to watch that. Uh, Eights... With this, I'm sorry, Fuzz, I stepped on you. With this, General McChris uh, McChrystal, it seems like if anyone should get fired, it's this aide that's quoted in the Rolling Stone article. He seems He's already to... already gone. Oh, yeah? Okay. Um, let's go over here to Jeff. You're on Ronnie Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Sound like a million bucks. Yeah. For you. Uh, Chris Bad Dog Russo, giving uh, listeners and fans an opportunity to host their own sports show. Sounds like an opportunity for Davey Mack. Well, we're think? all pretty fucking pissed off over that, in, uh, including our PD. I called him about it yesterday because they just, you know, when we were going through all this stuff with Dave, right. uh, we made sure, remember I got him to do the... Uh, one hour or half hour, whatever the hell he did on the Ron Fez show where he was Red McDonald and whatever. We gave them that. And then what did the PD say? He shows promise, but... Yeah, uh, promise, but, uh, like, um... He says he should be doing it for longer. He has to be doing it for... He has to put yeah. more reps in, basically. I forget. He gave some obnoxious thing, like two years or something. So then we're like, well, I don't fucking get that. And then you see this thing out there. Which maybe is just one of those publicity, you know, gimmicks that they fucking do to get everybody paying attention. I know Regis is doing another one of his women of radio get to uh, host with him. And uh, Lily's gang wants them to uh, her to be part of that. Which I think would probably be a dream job for uh, Lily because... She loves the Kelly Ripper. Look at this, right? We can't get a fucking bounce our way. Oh, it's frustrating. We can't tie this game, right? We got to win? Got to win. So frustrating. Yeah, tie gives us just three points in the group. That's not going to be enough. So frustrating. One, they steal from us, then... A couple of goals that were just so close. Well, two are stolen, really, if you count the last fucking game. Well, I, I'm only going one game at a time. I don't want a fucking uh, one from before, but yeah. We're the bad luck schlep rocks out there today. So uh, we'll try to keep an eye on that uh, story coming in. Uh, speaking of uh, sports radio... And uh, in the fan, uh, which is uh, the big sports radio show uh, station in New York City, Jerry Seinfeld was on there yesterday. I guess they got him on by phone. I don't know whether you saw the pictures when Lady Gaga was at a Mets game. She was in Jerry Seinfeld's box, I guess. Uh, they got her somewhere. Uh, the, the crowd was too crazy, so they moved her up into one of the boxes. And she gave the finger from the box, um, literally from Seinfeld's box. She gave a finger. 
of Seinfeld's box. So uh, he is all angry about it. He's on the fan. He says, Lady Gaga, this woman is a jerk. I can't believe they put her in my box, which I paid for. He also said, take the A off her name, and it's just gag. Uh, Jerry or Gaga, Fizz? I'm going Gaga here. This is Wow, shocker. This is not her fault. If he if he wants to call someone a jerk, call the Mets a jerk. They're the one that escorted. She didn't say, take me to the Seinfeld box. I don't think he's just saying overall. Uh, I mean, I think he means overall. This woman is a jerk, and the jerk store is running low on her. Perfect line. He's had this line since Seinfeld. Uh... Where are you on this, Hicks? Oh, give me Seinfeld. Fuck Lady Gaga and her shitty publicity stunt. She got hammered and couldn't handle fucking people taking pictures of her. So she had to, she had demanded to be fucking moved. Fuck her. I, well, first of all, if you're not using the box, stop being a crybaby, Jerry. If you're fucking, if the box is so important to you, be there that day. That, I don't want to hear someone sat in my empty seat. Uh, but the other part of it that looks bad is like, you can't be that older, established fucking guy in show business and acting like the kids have no respect. It makes you look like Bob Hope. Uh, right off the thing of, of making him look like too old, you don't say jerk, it's cunt. This Lady Gaga is a cunt. He fucking does that line and it's like, okay, Seinfeld pissed off enough to drop the C-bomb. Everybody be proud of him. Well, they would have had a dump out though. Maybe it wouldn't have gotten published. Good, then. fuck it. <laughs> then you go like this. She's the C word. She's the C word. She's in my books. Um, but it does make him coming off looking like just one of those old cranky comics, like a Jack Carter or something. These guys ain't funny. In my day, we'd go out. We'd do 45 minutes, strong headlining. Nobody needed a giant flower to put around their head. You know, he just fucking suddenly it sounds like somebody from the Friars Club that is sitting there ironing their fucking tux pants, bitching about the uh, the young people. It's Seinfeld. That says Gaga. Uh, Danny, Dover, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, fuck uh, Lady Gaga. Yeah. She's an ass. Yeah. Fucking, she doesn't want a picture taken. Stay the fuck home, man. Who the fuck, you, who the fuck does she think she is? Can I tell you somebody uh, else yesterday that I was very glad? I believe I saw this in... in they're getting their picture taken. They're just sitting there with a nice, thick middle finger up in the air. Tony Soprano. She can, she can stick the finger up her ass. Uh, no, you see, say the same thing about Tony Soprano, though? Uh, no, Tony Soprano. He's, uh, he'll, he'll right, so you don't have a problem with the act. You have a problem with the artist. Uh and I don't know whether she's a big baseball fan. I know she was at a Mets game. Doing the same exact thing, dressed exactly alike. Except for like in a Mets jersey or whatever, in a bikini. <laughs> I don't fucking get that. I don't know what she's up to. She's Gaga being Gaga. Yeah, but don't do it at this. You know what I mean? Do it at your own gig. Don't go ruining the fucking Mets game for people whose team's already ruined. And then at Yankee Stadium, she snuck into the players' fucking room and then uh, Hank Steinbrenner wanted her banned for life in the stadium. Um, John, you're on Fez. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Hey, I think this uh, box seat was reserved for uh, Funkhauser's dad. See, that's the fucking problem right there. He wasn't in his own seats. So apparently, what he's mad about is she gave the finger, everybody was yelling, she's like, Gaga, you fucking whore, whatever they yell. Uh, and then she gets upgraded into Jerry's box. 
And those that box is seven million dollars a game. Per game? Yeah. But you also get hot food that oh. they bring to you. It's supposed to be pretty spectacular. Waiter service? Yeah, I guess it's waiter service. I don't know. Oh, you fuckers. I, uh, come on, USA. You're so goddamn close half the time. Don't pull a France. Um, let's go over here to Mike. Mike, you're on Rene Fez. Hey, boys. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, Find it interesting tonight um, on uh, the telecast for the Mets game. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's going to be in the booth tonight with Keith Hernandez. It should be pretty amusing. Um, yesterday, Dawn was talking to Hernandez about the episode um, he was in, and Hernandez was playing it all down and uh, trying to act all cool. Yeah, well, Hernandez is cool. You can't get around that. But also, in the middle of this tirade, it's like um, Jerry just says, you know, it's like Keith Hernandez doesn't even like the young guys pulling their pockets out of their pants. So he was already uh, with Keith Hernandez on this. I guess Jerry ended up moving that couch. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, this frustrating fucking game. Try to change my fantasy league immediately, please. Oh, we couldn't come any fucking closer with this. Uh, Chad, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi, guys. Uh, haven't been able to watch the, the USA World Cup match today, but I've been listening to it uh, a little bit on ESPN Radio. Uh-huh. The Limey that uh, is doing the color, uh, he said there was at least four goals that should have been scored by the U.S. in the first half. Uh, is it that blatant? Are we missing that many opportunities in this well, game? Well, I mean, it is, yeah. We are missing opportunities, but that does seem to be the game of soccer that you get down there there's a fucking you know you got to put it into a tight spot uh and one time out the door just fucking puts an open uh, you know he's in front of an open fucking goal and he just puts it into the cheap seats yeah that's what he was saying one was was i mean he had the open goal went over the net just showing out punched in too hard when all he had to do was throw the ball into to an open net so yeah well you know i mean the the adrenaline is up the adrenaline is up this is it uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It's, Thanks, Ronnie B. It's the wet-ass hour. I think Lady Gaga is at the game right now, rubbing a soccer ball in her pussy. Uh, Fez, what is it? I, I haven't figured out why you went with the Gaga. I just don't think it's that big a deal for Seinfeld to say, I hate her. I think, again... Hey, strong word. A very strong word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have... If, if it was such a problem, stop her at the gate from coming in in a bra and panties. Well, he's he's not in charge of that. That's not his job. He's, he's just her. commenting on her like anyone else, like we comment on people. It's just an opinion. He's not saying, I want to keep her out of uh, sporting events and I want to stop her from making albums. He's just saying he fucking hates her and thinks that she's a, oh, you fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How many opportunities are we going to get at this? One of these has got to go in. Uh Uh-oh, open goal against us. Uh, Missed it. That guy fucking panicked for them then. Um, Justin, you're on a fez. 
it's Dustin with a D. Hey, so? I was going to ask you how many more, how many more blown calls do you think it's going to take before people stop watching or see it as kind of a rig deal in this country? Um, not at all. If anything, these uh, bad calls are just making the Americans into it a little more. The American fans have come up since that first bad call. The American people started feeling more and more passionate about it. And now ESPN is just like constantly bringing up that and World Cup. I've been noticing suddenly now ESPN gives a shit. Also because they're paying running the games. Jesus Christ. I mean, here's the thing that kills you. How much further can we go in this even if we win this one? I think we can make a run. Let's get past these assholes. I don't know. These fucking guys. I, I, I turned on the game this morning. It looked like we had two uh, defenders glued to us wherever we went. Like they put them on with that Peter Pan soap. I might just really want to fucking end this like meatballs. Pull the guy's pants down, take a couple swings at him, then we all run back to the bus and we ride back. And tonight's going to be the big church social. The way Bill Murray said social, and that always killed me. Big social tonight. He's going to be there, girls. All right, here we go. Let's fucking go, USA. Jesus Christ. What I don't like about this World Cup thing is, uh, I didn't know this, if the U.S. and England stay even Mm -hmm. on all tiebreakers after these two games... Uh, then we draw lots to see who gets out of group play. Uh, here's Mark. You're on the Ron and Fez show. Oh, well, yeah, we're hey not going to uh, I was going to say, if Lady Gaga didn't come in at the freak show that she is with the uh, brown panties and the stupid makeup, nobody would have known who she was, and she probably wouldn't have had the problem she had. Now, don't you feel like you sound like your dad talking about Madonna, though? Don't you think you got to somehow... This is the only thing that I worry about Jerry about. He really does sound like um, some elderly fucking comic. In my day, we didn't have things like this. We had Linda Ronstadt, and she was fantastic. What is your love for the Gaga about, Fez? I know you're not a music fan, or is it just an anti-unmasked fan? You know that I've always wanted to get Seinfeld on mass. This is a way to keep him off. No, it's the Lady Gaga story of being the outcast in high school, of being someone who was unpopular, who was picked on, being on the outside, and now she's found her way. She's found her voice. She's found out who she's really supposed to be, and Jerry Seinfeld's just trying to get people to crap on her. She's just a privileged little rich white yeah, girl. Her parents are like multimillionaires. She wants to win the Tony's fucking schools in Upper East Side Manhattan. Yeah, she did grow up in the Upper East Side, I mean Upper West Side, I think, right? And then uh, they bankrolled everything that she's ever done. Yeah, if you watch the early videos of her, she's just a plain-looking white girl and a, and a, on a piano. And according to her, ostracized by those rich kids. Oh, yeah, that's a tough life. They said at night she had to go home and cry on a gold brick. This girl had diamond tampons. She was doing very fucking well. She Extremely well. The blood diamond. I don't get this song at all, though. 
Just a huge fucking gimmick. You don't like her at all, huh? Oh, I'll give I'm her sorry. I'm sorry. Fucking Mr. Williamsburg hipster. Yeah. Only likes bands the rest of us haven't heard of. I'll give her credit for never breaking character and just constantly just fucking acting crazy. But it's fucking annoying. Uh, Hicks only listens to people who put out vinyl. Uh, nothing else. And his favorite band ever, he said, sold out on the second side. He fucking loved them on the first side. Second side, he said they were complete fucking sellouts. I heard they got picked up by an internet radio station, so yeah, I was pissed. It's too much. They got on a podcast. Uh, Tom, Kansas City, you're on the face. Hey, guys. Fezzy, uh, uh, I love you to death, but why don't you find your inner voice like Lady Gaga? All right, this is the very funny thing. Uh, you got your heart broken early this week, right, Fez? Yes, I did. Uh, by who? Bruce Valanche. Bruce Valanche. So... Fence comes to me a while ago. Can we do an unmask with Bruce Valanche? Can we do an unmask with Bruce Valanche? I'm like, I don't know if he fits. Then, you know, I looked into it. He has, like, written for all these comics who host award shows. That's his claim to fame. So I'm like, yeah, that might be really fucking good. Okay. Now, the other day, Bruce hurt your feelings. Yes, I was just completely dismissed and blown off where I thought there might be a kindred spirit there, where I thought I might have found someone, you know, that understands, but you know, the back and forth. Uh, Hicks, do you even know what he's talking about that understands the back and forth, a kindred spirit? Oh, talking back and forth, maybe? But with who Did I'm you have sure. this kind of relationship with Tom Green? I mean, it's a fucking unmasked. So, he comes back. They're not going to do the RMS. He wouldn't listen to me. Then last night, uh, the guy's uh, manager said, yeah, we'd love to do it. What day you have open? So now, because of this weirdness with Fez, I'm like, uh, well, let's just see if we can't catch him next time he comes through. Next parade. It's a blow over. But if you would have chilled a little bit, maybe it would have worked out. And you would have got that back and forth and in and out and... Fucking up and down. Yeah, my feelings were crushed on Monday when all this happened. Right, but you feel like it? you jumped the gun there? The guy did want to do it? Maybe I overreacted. But I just, the way I felt, the way I was just sent upon my way. But here's the deal, dude. Because you feel something doesn't necessarily make it fucking true. You get that? Mm-hmm. You have the feelings, and I'm not saying this at a... As in a mean way. But you have the feelings of a crazy person. So when you feel things, that should be the last thing that you trust. It just seems so definite. And then, But but, uh, but you know enough from testing things that it's not definite, right? Right. It's just the opposite. The guy might have been in a hurry. He might have been up all night and had to go do you know something else. You don't know what the things are. You leapt and you took it personally... And you say there's a, a, an entire community that doesn't let you in. And I believe that's Southampton? That's one of them. But yeah, I, I still feel that way about uh, the community where I'm just, where they just, like, I waited too long to try to join the community and there's no way I'm going to be allowed in now. Like, I waited too late to go to the party and they've locked the door. I don't know what to say. It's really crazy talk. Sincerely crazy talk. But you know that because you've been in a mental fucking ward before.
Oh yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been to Fort Wentz Hospital. Well, let, let's suppose you had a lot of hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Would you then trust everything that you saw? No, I would no. If I was seeing like animals running around my apartment, no. Right. So and you do. There's a cat. So you know that your feelings have known to be wrong. Right. And over the last couple of years, you've probably alienated just about everyone that you've been friends with. Sure. Yeah, because I yeah my feelings are right there at a pitch, and I don't trust my judgment. So it's like my feelings are my only thing that I have to go on. But they're, they're not working for you. Yeah. So that, I mean, that leaves me with nothing. Yeah. You got crazy with Bruce Falange and it wasn't fucking personal. It's, my problem was that I built it up in my head of how it was going to be when I met with Bruce Falange. That it was going to be a meeting of kindred spirits. That it was going to be, that we would hit it off right off the bat. And when that didn't happen, it just, the whole thing came crashing down on me. Do you think it might be a good idea to stop doing that? Well, that was me trying to stay positive. Yeah, but if, would I be fucking positive if I started going like this? Letterman's going to love me. And want to write material with me in the fucking out on uh, out at the Hamptons. So I'm gonna take my black girlfriend out on a train, go there, and get his little Asian fucking housekeeper to let me in. And then when he shows up later from fucking golf, I'm gonna start freaking out and yelling at him that he's fucked me over. I'm doing king of comedy of you for you, right? Uh huh. Rupert Pupkin was a nut. Because he had imaginary relationships in his head and then went up to people in real life and tried to make them happen. Here's the weird thing. Everything that you wanted, you wanted to get this guy on Unmasked, he agreed to. But now you've already kind of fucking, you know, talked about him and shit on the air and made it all fucking weird. And now you're worried if it gets back to him. Right, yeah. So you cost yourself the booking. And what I thought I was doing was being positive for a change. Where normally I expect people to just hate me and reject me. This one I thought was going to be different and I took it too far the other way. Uh, Jake, you're on a Fez. Yeah, Ron, I hate to break your flow with soccer and Fez's problems, but i got to meet my dope dealer in about an hour. Okay. And I've been, w- I've been with him for about 20 years. Maybe this is a better question for Pepper Hicks. Go ahead. It's pot. I mean, we talk in code. It's like good tickets or very good tickets. So I'm paying between like 275 and $300 for what we call regular tickets and between 550 and let's say $600 for the very good tickets. Now, mind you, I've been dealing with this guy for probably 25 years, uh, East Village guy, you know, pretty close to where the Hells Angels are and everything else. Comes up and visits me. We shoot the shit back and forth, talk about our medical problems and everything else and stuff. Is that is that about the ballpark right now for what what we're, people are paying pot in the city? Are there fucking seeds in the fucking shit's going for two seventy five? No, no, no. Well, not you know. It's just a little. It's a little twiggy and stuff. But I mean, it's it's still really very good. It almost looks like this. Hey, listen. We know how much how much better the pot is now than it was twenty five years ago when we were getting forty dollars ounces of Colombian and everything else. But. I'm just not really sure because, I mean, I don't deal with anybody else and stuff. I'm always telling my buddies who split this with me and stuff that we're getting a good deal. We got good counts, everything else. I just want to know if that's about right, you know? Now, Why after 25 years you fucking, uh, you're suddenly panicking, though? 
Well, I just want, you know, I'm just thinking to myself here, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just uh, one of those days if I had a one, one cup too many and stuff. Can I, I tell you something, I chicken? Yeah. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way. You're being watched. <laughs> You're being watched. Um, Hicks, I haven't smoked pot in a while. But this fucking, these prices, I mean, I'm complaining about cigars. And these fucking prices, he sounds like he's buying from the American Beauty Kid. What the fuck with these prices? Uh, two seventy five is that's pretty fair. Five fifty is a bit much for fucking really super high grades. I mean, I've heard of that of it going that high, but uh, I say stick with the two seventy five an ounce. That's not bad at all. Now, now mind you, uh, the one guy, you know, I I usually don't even I don't even really usually get the really really good stuff because it's just too much for me. Right. Uh, I'm like you know I'm like pushing fifty nine right now and stuff, and I mean I start you know uh, I start getting like fucking fez after a while. Yeah, right. But my oh, one yeah. buddy. When I ask him about it and stuff, he goes, oh, yeah, well, you know, I just basically do the, you know, the regular stuff before I move on to the real good stuff. And I said, well, how good is it? He goes, well, I start fucking bouncing around the kitchen when I take that and stuff, yeah. you know. But, I mean, to me, it gets me just a little bit too too fucking high. Uh, a, diff a different question, because i, I got to run and stuff. And Hold I on. John from, John from Brooklyn just wants to bring something up to you. Go ahead, John. Yo, man, you, 220 should get you primo for a half. That's primo. That stuff, we only need three pokes and you're done. I smoke commercial weed my whole life. I started smoking the good stuff. I won't even touch it. But the commercial stuff, you should be able to get that for about 85 an ounce. And I live up in Bumfuck, and I can get it that cheap up there. I'm sure you can get it cheaper down here because it comes from down here. Chicken, huh? you, yeah, you should start walking around fucking Washington Square Park buying loose joints. Yeah, that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm going to fucking start doing now. Start asking fucking spooks and stuff for, for, for spare joints. Listen, so, quick second question. Yeah. I was listening to your Peter Wolf uh, yeah. interview a couple of days ago and stuff, and it actually got me a little bit teary-eyed. I'm, like, I'm, I, I got the vibe that you were getting it from, like, you know, listening to when, you know, the Jay Giles band when you were yeah. younger. But it was interesting that he mentioned about Shelby Lynn. Because it was about a week before that, I'm sitting in my apartment having a couple of drinks with my wife. We're listening to the music, and I had actually downloaded the Shelby Lynn's most recent album now, just you know, for my wife. I knew she'd like it, and I found myself getting fucking a little bit teary-eyed and nostalgic about it. My question is: Is what constitutes when you're being a pussy listen to music? Is it is it being with another woman uh, that that gives you like a fucking uh, a freebie or finzies? Oh yeah. Or or is it? Or is it, you know, if you start listening to it by yourself, I mean, are you an asshole and stuff? I'm just throwing out that, I'm just throwing that out to you, all right? No, all right, I'll go with you. First of all, you're 59 years old. Get past fucking peer pressure. Stop worrying about what other people think. You're fucking 59, you're allowed to fucking start crying if you get a good sandwich. All right, hold on, is this a fucking free kick? Well, keep me updated, Fez. I don't want to be sitting here talking about weed the whole time. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, this isn't a fucking, what's going on? Nothing's gonna fucking happen here. He's too far back. You cock fucks. What are we at? 83 minutes? We're gonna end up in the fucking tie. We're gonna end up as a fucking tie. Send these guys a crate of fucking ties from me and say this is what you love to do. Wear it. Wear it the rest of your life. Uh, Chris, you're in my face. Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, what's up? Um, I was just uh, listening to what Buddy was saying about the tag down there on the on the trees. Up here, we're we're getting that PK. If, if any of you know what that is, we're paying like two one eighty for a full for a full pack on it. Well, you're living in Canada, right? 
Yeah, man. You're in your whole. You're in your own fucking metric world up there. You got the whole thing going. Oh, the yeah, Canadian we weed's getting very, very uh, famous now, isn't it? Oh hell yeah, yeah. For years, Beasters is the shit. All comes down from a good amount of it comes down from there. So should you smoke a joint with Hicks? I do you need to start highing? I would do that. I would try. At this point in my life, I will try. Let's take some bong hits. You're talking crazier and crazier lately, dude. I mean, I don't mind some of the crazy shit, but when you take it outside of here and start fucking bothering other people in the hall with it, that's when it's above crazy. Um... Pat, you're in my face. Hey there, Ronnie B. Yeah. Hey, uh, first, uh, thanks for getting me hooked on soccer, man. I never was really a fan of it till the uh, last couple months, so thanks for that. No, I hate it. But why, why is the USA shit in the bed? I mean, they've had so many opportunities today, and they're just shit in the bed again. That's sports. That's fucking sports. What are you going to do? <sighs> That's the way this fucking game rolls. Everybody always expects, well, it's a sport. We're going to win. Sometimes you just tie three times in a row. These cockfucks are going to score on us right here. Um, let's go over here, Jebber. You're on my Fez. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way uh, Fezzy was talking earlier, he kind of sounds like a 202 fan. <laughs> Well, that is the thing for Fez. I mean, you've been approached by people before that you've kind of, I'm in a hurry, or I'm not paying attention to you, or I don't want that that guy. You were doing that thing this time. Right. It was, yeah. I mean, it's just that I've been a fan for so long of the guy. Right. That, why? Why would you be a fan of the guy? Because he was on fucking Hollywood Squares? Well, that's when I first noticed him, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying, doesn't that sound crazy? I saw a guy in, in Hollywood Squares, and I thought we could be best friends. I get. Well, it seemed like it was just going to have a better start to it. So it didn't. The guy ended up wanting to do the fucking show, but now you've weirded on it so much that uh, now you now you're trying to back out of it. Now, if I'm him, I'm going. This fucking guy asked me to do a show. I said, uh, yeah, call my manager. My manager said, yeah, set up the date. And now he's saying no because he felt weird about the way we met. The, who's that beautiful girl? Where is she from? Slovenia? Algeria? Probably Algeria. They go to the stands here, and there's just fucking, there's chicks on, in the stands. They're, like, beautiful from all over the world. You never know what you're going to see in World Cup. Kind of Super Mario convention. Not like you're sitting there watching the fucking Steelers game and seeing some fucking pig from western Pennsylvania eating a fucking turkey leg with a, uh, a dead dog's head on the end of a chain, fucking swinging it around. I don't even know if that even happened. I'm just trying to set up a metaphor. I think it did, though. Should everybody just get crazy hair going for luck? Just fucking put your hair up all crazy? Hicks, put your hair up nuts right now. Okay. Watley, I want you to stay out of it. Ow. You're a jinx. Instead of trying to go, look, no, I want to do it. He's combing his hair all back down right. I wanted to help out. 
Jamie, you're on Ronnie Fez. Uh, I've got a question for you, Ronnie. Yeah. What What would upset you more, uh, a tie, uh, or if Fezzy leaned over and grabbed your knob? I at least think he was making some kind of progress in his life. Oh, that looks good, Hicks. Why don't you wear your hair like that more often? You look like the fucking first lady of the Revolutionary War. Look Does it at look you. good? Yeah. Thanks. You look like someone woke Martha Washington up in the middle of the night. Would Martha Washington be considered a founding mother? I don't know how much she did to found. Supposedly she ran that herb farm for him while he was out. She was growing weed. Oh, I had no idea about that. You never watch Days and Confused? No, I haven't seen that. I was interested about this. Somebody said, hey, why don't you and Hicks start assigning books and movies and albums to Fez? And that way he could feel like he could be part of the conversations. And I thought to myself, well, he's been hearing all this stuff for fucking years. And he's never wanted to. And Dave tried giving him movies to watch. Yeah, did you ever give him those things back? No, I, I couldn't find them. Well, would you give him the money for it? I'll do that. It was $17,000. I don't think they were that much. How much do you think they were? Well, they're used DVDs at this point when I got them, so I would say probably about five bucks a pop. Ouch. You talked to Dave lately? Talked to him last night. He's still fucking working the Jersey radio circuit. Went on a couple interviews. How many fucking radio stations are there? Oh, Seems like a lot from what he's telling me. I guess... I guess that's the big scene right now, Jersey Radio. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Well, well, look who it is. It's been forever. Bringing the ones and the twos. Crazed. What's up, Ronnie? What do you say, up, crazed? Ronnie? Let me tell you, um... Heard you guys talking about smoking bud before, and um, let me tell you that that, that blue uh, dream is ridiculous. Uh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not smoking it now, but like when I smoke it, it during the during the night, it just puts me right to sleep. Oh Please hold a moment, Craze. An OG! <laughs> Woo! Ow! Stop his time. Was that Do uh, Donovan? I think it was Donovan. Uh, and I got him. I think I got him on my fucking team. No, I don't. No, I think I do. Craze, you're the lucky fuck for us right now. You've got to be on, on fucking air with us during every World Cup game. Woo! All right. All right. Easy, Craze. You're going fucking <laughs> nutty here. Don't use it up. I don't even I don't even see what's going on, but I'm getting excited already. You're the fucking you're the man, dude. You are the man. And this is why I never give up on this USA team. I always believe and crazy hair worked. Crazy hair plus crazed. Is all I got it takes a for bit us. Of crazy hair, uh, Ronnie. My hair's got all stuck up like a bed hair. I love it. it. I <laughs> love it, brother. Keep it that way. Don't change it at all. Holy <laughs> shit! All right, now we gotta hold on for another fucking two minutes. 
Wouldn't that be fucking hideous? Oh my god. We take down the crazy hair and they score on us. Yeah, boy! That's it. Would you do me a favor, Crazed, and come up with a nice fucking uh, hip-hop song about the U.S. soccer team? Here they come, passing through the lanes, coming through, scoring goals and kicking ass and kicking names, and coming at you with the fames, and coming with you with the ones and twos, and the ones and threes, and you know what's do's, and you wonder what you wonder to do, what to do. I come with and I score with the ones and twos. I come and I kick a ball, harder than ever, and I score a goal, and I come with the toe. And then I come with the row, and I come with the bow, and I come with the skull, and then I come with the mole. And that's it, because I got a roll. Oh, that's really good. That's fucking amazing. Uh, hey, Spuddies. Hey, Crazed. Uh, when yeah. can you come in one day? We haven't seen you forever. All right. Um, uh, one of these days. Um. I'll definitely give you a call. Who should I uh, contact? Um, Chris Stanley. All right. Um, uh, when when um, when, when I uh, get off, uh, could you? Could yeah, you I'm gonna put you on hold. Number? Yeah, I'm gonna put you on hold. We're gonna take. Uh, well, let's wait until the game's over. We got like fucking forty more seconds. And then Hicks is gonna play. They're coming to America by Neil Diamond. And then we're all going to fucking dance around in a conga line. Jesus Christ. I swear to God, you couldn't have felt any worse. And then something like that happens. And that's why I won't get caught up in the negativity. I believe in this scrappy team. That's it. There's the whistle. Loving it. USA. Bringing it. Going to the Sweet 16, as I'm now calling it. I'm going to immediately... Do we have champagne? Not on us. What do we have? Giant cake? With girls dancing out of it? Where are the sparklers? That was fucking exciting. So do you know who we're even playing, Fez? Um, I'm not sure because I don't know if we're the number one out of Group C. Over England? Yeah, England comes in number two. We, we won the group. All right. With this win. And uh, England's number two, so I'm not sure who we face next. Group D hasn't um, played yet, so it's going to de uh, depend whoever comes in second in Group D. Uh, there's a Serbian, hot Serbian chick crying all over a big fat fucking t-shirt. This is Landon Donovan singing this. This was really weird. This shocks me. President Clinton was in the crowd there today. He's so getting laid tonight. Fucker gets laid every night. Don't worry about him. Those Algerians can't believe it. Algeria was ranked number one in the universe. And we beat them.
This is the greatest single win in the history of world football. Landon Donovan racing his hairline to see who gets the World Cup before he's as bald as a Bradley. Hold it out, big man. Landon Donovan could also be in City Slickers 3 if they ever decide to do it. Sometimes you just got to score one goal. Whatever that matters to you. There they are, dancing at the Atlantic Crossing Pub in Seattle. All dressed up like Captain America. So it's going to be Ghana or Germany or Serbia. And maybe an outside chance for Australia. There's a hot Algerian chick crying. Are they putting an Algerian thing around uh, President Clinton? That's what it looked like. Like they're nice. Give him one of their scarves. There, That's you really earned nice. it. You won That's it. Really nice. He and the ex-leader of Algeria take off his shirts and hand them to each other. All from Lucky Crazed. So you're sure we're first, Fez? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're first. Because I think I think we ended up... I don't have it in front of me, but I think we ended up with the same amount of points, but we were ahead of them in tiebreakers. With goals scored. Okay. Right back, run a Fez show. Listening to the Ron and Fez show on the virus. Series 197, XM 202. You want to celebrate a World Cup victory? Head into 7 Eleven. Get something hot and fresh from the 7 Eleven grill. And what kind of stuff they got on the grill there, Fezzy? Oh, they got good stuff. They got the big bite hot dog, giant hot dog. Mm. Uh, the juicy chicken tenders. You oh, can go chicken nice. if you want. The, the go go taquito. What is a taquito? Taquito, it's kind of like a burrito taco type thing. And also the Radical Burrito Roller. Mm. All fresh off the grill. What exactly is this burrito roller? The burrito roller, it's um, it's a spicy burrito. You notice that he just answers back with every word I say to him. The burrito roller? What's a big gulp? A big gulp? So what you have there is something fresh off the grill and then a gift from 7-Eleven. What you get is something for your favorite online games, uh, especially the one Mafia Wars. Harumph. Now this Mafia, these are moths? No, it's Mafia Wars. Like a mob. Like gangs. Oh, Mafia. Yeah, mob. Yeah, the Mafia. Yeah. 
So you get the uh, bulletproof vest that you, you get a code for that to play Mafia Wars online, and it helps you with your attack numbers. Also, you get the pepper shaker weapon for Mafia Wars, so that you can use that to attack. Of course, all these accessories to help up your game in Mafia Wars online. It's all from 7-Eleven. Thank heaven for 7-Eleven. This is open to legal residents of the U.S. and Canada, excluding Puerto Rico and Quebec. You must be 13 years or older to participate. Visit buyearnplay.com for full terms and conditions. Void where, where prohibited and while supplies 7-Eleven stores. You're listening to the Ron and Fez Show on the virus. Sirius 197, XM202. Somehow I just want to do that. I just want to, like, dance. I just want to, like, you know, put on some Shirelles. I just, I want to be black. <laughs> Wouldn't that be insane? God, you know, I wish I was, I mean, I wish I was not, I wish I was Tina Turner. Just dancing through the room. Surround the Fez show. Fez, I was just talking with Rob, and he and I were in a long discussion, which is really strange, of trying to figure out what the hell your live read means. The 7-Eleven live read? Uh-huh. We don't get it. We don't know what this uh, Farmingdale product is. I thought it was a town in Long Island. Uh... But what exactly? It's Farmville. Yeah, it's Farmville. What happens there? So it's an online game where you build up your own farm. And then what you do is you go to 7-Eleven, you buy one of their specially marked products. Uh, for, forget the... Uh, forget the thing that has anything to do uh, with your 7-Eleven. Right. Plug, right. Why would anyone want to build up a farm online? It's not a real game. I get if someone's is playing Madden or fucking the Red Dead thing, whatever you're playing online, I get an online game. Why would you want to build a fantasy farm? I guess you can earn other uh, you can earn points against other people's farms. Dude, this is the same shit that you've always busted Mafia Life Chris's balls about. The same exact stuff where you're like you, you're fucking crazy. These people are doing this and they got a 7-Eleven deal. And it seems like that mob game at 7-Eleven is the exact same game that Chris has had for fucking 8 years or whatever now. Pretty much is. It's fucking... Would you have ever thought that people like that could get a major sponsorship with 7-Eleven? It's because they got picked up by Facebook. That's what fucking... That's the big thing about it. I don't know how they did, how they right. managed that. All right, Higgs. Fucking... De Fez can't explain it to me. You're on Facebook, right? So you're on Facebook to talk back and forth with your friends and keep up to date. Yeah. At a certain point, you said, I wonder what it would be like to have an imaginary farm... It's like an app for a fucking... It's like an app slash game for your Facebook page. The guy who made Facebook wants to integrate everything into this one fucking website. So now he wants you to spend more time on Facebook and playing this stupid game called Farmville, where you grow your own farm. I don't play it. I've heard about it. And uh, South Park shit I, on it. I, I, want, I want you to understand something. I'm not a cop and I haven't pulled you over and I'm not accusing you of anything. 
I am trying to understand why you would want to say you have an imaginary farm. It's not a fucking game unless you're shooting something or driving a car or a tank. How is it a fucking game? It's the la it's the same exact stuff that we always busted Mafia Life Chris about when he tried to explain us his game. Maybe Chris was always right. Um, here's Bruce, Bruce in Louisiana. Buddies, yeah. my wife is on this fucking Farmville all the time to the point that I bought her a laptop so she would get off the fucking computer. And then I asked her what it is. And evidently you get gifts and you open those and then you fucking plant trees and you put a dog in a pen. But I don't know. Here's the thing, Bruce. If you moved out, got a farm, the bitch wouldn't help you run it. That's what I don't fucking understand about this. Who the hell wants to sit there and act like I've got pigs in a pen? If someone told you that like they really did, you're like, shut up. You're so dull. Terps are coming in, though. Um, Sean, you're on my fez. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. the people, the creators of Farmville made something along the lines of like $20 million in advertising last year just on a Facebook game. And there's people so addicted to the game that they plant crops overnight that they're ready to harvest every hour or every two hours, and they set their alarm to wake them up every two hours so they can get on. Harvest their crops and then get off. Now, are they really harvesting a crop? Are you playing a video game where you're out there bringing crops in? Yeah, you actually have to pick the crop, then you have to plant new ones. And then if you want to use, like, the tractor or stuff like that that they have in the game, you actually have to pay to be able to get the stuff to be able to use it. All right, like I, real money. I, I need to – I'm always hearing from people that are around people to hear that play – I don't understand anybody who actually plays it. Mike in Houston, you're on Fez. Yeah, my wife has spent over $500 on PayPal on this fucking farm. Why? I don't, I don't get it. She's educated. Uh, see, here's the thing. When you buy a video game, that's it. Whatever you paid for it, you don't just keep adding fucking money to the video game. And you're not playing a game. Somebody writes to me, you get a message that says your crops are ready to harvest. And then you click on it and you've harvested. That's not playing a fucking game. Bill in San Diego, you're on Fez. Hey, boys. Uh, my uh, girlfriend damn near flunked out of college uh, playing Farmville all the time. She missed classes and just stopped going and, and she'd be harvesting other people's uh, crops and stuff. I, so what I'm fucking picking up here, this is like sports for women. This is something that only women play. Jay, you're on Fez. Ron, my wife spends extra money, like $300 a week off of my credit card, just so she can uh, get extra Farmville cash. Because um, you can get, you can harvest your crops and get money. But to get Farmville cash, you actually have to pay for it. And that's what she does. She spent, she'll charge $300 on my credit card. Jay, yeah. get out of this marriage. <laughs> You're with a crazy person. So she'll come to you asking for money because she's going to lose the farm. She doesn't ask for money. She just takes it while he's fucking sleeping. I get playing a video game. I don't click. get clicking on a message, Fez. And it's hard for me to believe 
a company the size of 7-Eleven is so caught up that they would go, this is a positive thing for our company. Normally you would hear like, oh, there's a movie opening. Come get a Shrek fucking cup. Get a, um, a, a Cardinals fucking helmet that you can drink out of. But this Farmville thing is insane. I, uh, Kimberly, you're on a fez. Yes, my daughter plays Farmville and has her cotton harvested by black people. Right, how old is your daughter, honey? <laughs> she's 15. Right, she's at the age right now that she should be getting abortions. She's got to stop acting like an immature baby. With this... No, I just put her on the pill, so that's hopefully not going to happen. Uh, you got her on the pill? Yep. Um, now, is it because she's having sex, or you just thought, just in case? Um, I'm being a, well, she says no, but I'm just being a little proactive. I like the attitude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, not... As far as I'm concerned, I hopefully we won't have any abortions, but don't think it wouldn't be considered. I don't want to be a grandmother anytime soon. You're worried about black farm workers. <laughs> and I'm going to Chicago, going to get a Molly's cupcake. Would you do me a favor and make sure you put on the sunglasses? And <laughs> did, uh, Speaking of Molly's, they have got me watching the worst show every week, Cupcake Wars. Uh, Molly's is, I think, going to be on the last one of the, of the year. And if we're if the show's that embarrassing when Molly's is on, I'm gonna be just I'm gonna be devastated. I don't like the host of the show. He's very twinkish. He's the same as every host of every show. Every show is the same these days. I, I watch it every week too, waiting for Molly's. And every single week the last thing comes down to this. Are they going to pick the uh cupcakes in a high display or wide display? Every week, same thing. One has decided to go way high. One has decided to go way wide. And I'm saying to the grills, again, we're watching this. Again? Because I could be re-watching my party down season. I got nothing to watch this summer. Is the Big Brother coming back? Yeah, Big Brother's coming back uh, early July. But that's soon. We're late June now, right? Yep, it's usually right after the 4th. Right after the fourth. Um, hold on. Here's uh, Dave is a man who plays. Dave. Yo. Uh, I keep hearing from guys saying that their women play. You're the first guy I got you yourself play. Yeah, because I'm not a fucking liar like these other guys. My wife plays. But they all play. I'm embarrassed <laughs> about it, but I'm here telling you I play the game. First of all, Dave, I like your attitude. Second of all... Try to explain to me, because we're actually doing live spots for this. Fez doesn't understand it. Uh, our, our PD doesn't understand it. And then All right, goes, you get a, a plot of land. Read one today, and right. he can't understand it. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, you get a plot of land. Yeah. So you get X amount of coins to start out with. You plant a little. You plant a couple things. You can only afford so many seeds. Right. So you plant four or five crops. It takes two, four, eight, twelve, two days to harvest. Here's what I want now, Here's what I want you to do, Dave. I'm embarrassed. I, I'm getting ready to hang up. No, but here's the thing. Go buy some real seeds. Plant them I in your backyard. Too. Hey, Ronnie, I yeah. got a peach tree you don't believe. Yeah. I do that, too. Dude, do me a favor. Send me some peaches. You got it. All right, because I, I adore fresh fruit. I'm crazy about it. My dad has this little tiny, uh, just built around his like his back deck. He sends it to me the other day. 
I cannot believe the amount of food that he's putting in a small area. And he's got everything. He's Farmville for real. But why? Go start a garden in your backyard. I know he sound like Jerry Seinfeld yelling at Lady Gaga, but this is fucking insane. $300 extra uh, a month these women are paying? It's Newsday, Laura. When I, I talk to her, I laugh. I don't cry. I know she wants to cry. Hey, Laura. Hi, buddies. Um, yeah, I, I, I play Farmville. I don't play it so much anymore because I got bored of it. Uh-huh. Um, but the way I guess you can kind of consider it a game, I, I don't consider it a game, but is that you have to advance in levels, and each level that you advance, you get more options. Like, you can fucking plant squash now, whereas you couldn't before. Laura, was, <laughs> what... Mafia Life Chris's game is probably cooler than this. It probably is. <laughs> and for years, everybody's been like, what are you doing? Pretend Mafia. He should be in at 7-Eleven. Well, it, it, I think the game is more of a time killer. That's how it starts. But it gets infectious. It's like Pavlovian almost. Yeah. Because, like, you click and you get a reward. You know, like, oh, I get a new fucking tree I can plant in the corner. But, you know? but you don't have like an image, like a video screen with a tractor driving around and you're watching the corn grow and no. foxes are coming in so you have to shoot them. No, no, no. You have to like feed your, your pigs and chickens and shit and, and then like, you know, harvest eggs and stuff. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty lame, but I, I, I'm like a level 37, so I'm guilty. A level 37 out of how many levels? It just goes on forever, right? I think it goes on forever, yeah, because I know people who are like a level 50, and I've been on level 37 Ooh. for like months. Now, um, where uh, are you putting extra money in? I I am guilty of that, too, but... Uh, I could kill my, you. I, honestly, I, I could kill you right now for doing this. <laughs> I am guilty. And when you go to 7-Eleven and you purchase things, yeah, you can put them on your stupid farm. So you get like a stupid, you know whatever, slide with lambs going down it that repeats nonstop. All right. Uh, uh, Laura, I don't understand this at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to know you. Oh, I'm sorry. I disappointed you. All right. Talk to you soon. Uh, Gary in Montana, you're on Runafez. Guy, Gary. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting here listening on my tractor. Beetle field doing some real farming. I just think it's kind of funny. But here's the weird thing. People drive by you and not even take the time to watch you, Gar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you should just uh, put a pal talk camera on yourself and somehow go, people will get extra points for yeah, sending I me could, money. Yeah. yeah, I could be making this $20 million and they could be playing my video game. Well, all right, here's an idea. And As a matter of fact, if you've got the property, I can promote it. We'll tell people, send Gary money. He'll plant those seeds, and then you yeah. can watch it grow, and then at the end of it, we'll ship their little pack to them. I like that. Sounds good. Wow. Dude, this is a great idea. We'll call it virtual farming and kids for just, I don't know, I, I, I was going to say $20, but if they're fucking spending 300 everywhere else, you'll be able to watch your shit grow. And then if you send Gary extra money, he'll water it. Oh, I'm loving this idea. Well, you want it to live. And then at the end of it, he sends it to you. Yeah. At the end of it, he sends it to you and you can make a fucking meal out of it. I'm serious. This is a brilliant fucking idea. 
Wait, so do these things in the real world? Yeah, but the, the kids will still be watching on their screen. Oh, okay. And what we'll do is we'll just have a little camera for each of them, and they can get up in the morning and then watch what's happening. And if they click things, Gary will water. If they forget, he doesn't water them. Or if they click too much, he overwaters them. And then at the end of their game, they're getting a... Fez is just staring at me right now. Do you ever see, like, every once in a while you ever have a dog where the dog will stare at you and you know it's trying to understand? Yeah, over the weekend I had a dog fucking staring at me like that. What? Was a real one? A real one, yeah. My dog when I was growing up, a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, he used to look at me like that. And finally it would just be me and him and I would, I'd be like a little kid and I'd go like this. Just say it. I know you can fucking talk. I see you almost talking, you prick. Say it. I swear to God, if he would have started talking, wouldn't have even shocked me. But anyway, I was going through this. And I don't know whether it's the beard. Fez is giving me the same look. He tilts to one side like that. And you should just go like this. You're saying words, Ron. You're saying words out loud. I want to work this deal out so these little Farmville fucking kids can understand there's food does come out of the earth. Um, Kent, Michigan, you're on Ron and Fez. Yeah, my wife, uh, hey, Ron and Fez. Uh, my wife played Farmville for a while, but she moved on to another game. It's called, uh, I think it's Zombie Farmville, where you actually grow zombies. You're able to mutate them, and then you get to attack the farmer next to them and eat the brains. I'm telling you, how in a handbasket. And I'm starting to sound like um, some like Jerry Seinfeld is with Lady Gaga. But this is fucking nuts. Lee, Indiana, you're on Fez. Hi, Ron. Uh, two things. Uh, this Farmville sounds like more like, uh, like a first-row doll with people want a virtual life outside of their house and they get addicted to it and they keep going back and farming. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's what it is. It's just kind of a virtual life. Mm -hmm. And the uh, other thing is uh, these games that you pay all this money for to buy stuff. My brother who reads all these game magazines was telling me that uh, that's the way of the uh, future. What they're going to do is give you the games for free instead of them just uh, making a, a initial amount of money off of you. For all these right. and stuff, you're going to have to pay online, and they make a lot more money by uh, doing that. And that's, that's the way the games are going, from what I hear. Uh, if you're going to be paying money on something, you ought to go back to those I have the girls show you your tits thing for, and send you panties. Hell the yeah. way the Internet originally started. Used, I hope. Um, of course used. What, do you want to get a fresh pair still in fucking... Fuck no. Can you believe the USA won that today? Feels good. That feels good. France being out feels good. No, it doesn't feel so good. I think we want to root for Australia, so we have to play them. I'm a little nervous we got to play Germany. Now I'm, I'm mad that I laughed at them the other day for losing. Um, Stan, you're on my face. Yep. Yeah, me. buddy. Hey, what's going on, Randy? Yeah, the, the uh, head of our accounting department, my company, plays a damn farm bill all the time, and I've basically disseminated it down to its sims for rednecks. 
<laughs> Do you think everybody in the world would wish they had their Sims time back? No, I think the people are proud of themselves for building those cities and people's lives. And, and now, but now them. they just let it all go. Then you see why God gets bored with us. It would be easy enough for God to reach down, put his finger in the hole in the Gulf. That's why we had the National Prayer Day the other day. Some kind of pray for the Gulf Day. I think it worked. We're going to need to do something. But we can't do it ourselves. Uh, Justin, California, you're on my face. Hey, buddies, two quick things. First off, it's kind of weird. We've got thousands of cows out here on our ranches, and the guys that help us with it, they want a 401K. They don't want to pay me. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and second off, the little town here where our uh, our offices are for our ranch, you know, meth has exploded out here in a big, big way. So we're yeah. kind of living the zombie farmland deal for real. What is it about the country and meth? It's amazing. Um, you know, meth was big in the cities in the 70s. Not anymore. Just dead here. Who wants, to be, who wants to be fucking speeding balls like that all night? They found, um, and I think uh, like a year ago, they found a couple like rich guys growing meth in there or uh, cooking meth in there, like high-rise apartments. Yeah. And then just fucking, because they were addicted to it and they're like fucking doing it. But you know, I never heard anyone, no one's ever tried to sell me meth in New York. Yeah, it's just, it's a fucking thing in the past. It's like here in Angel Dust. But the, you get out in the sticks and they love the meth. Uh, Ryan, Wisconsin, you're in Fez. Yeah, Ronnie. Uh, I grew up on a farm, and I still farm, too. And, uh, like, uh, I got family members that are kind of into this Farmville, and uh, it's almost like they like to be pretend farmers. Right. Uh, they don't actually want to do the work. Like, when my sister uh, graduated from high school and went off to college, she was like, she was like the Roadrunner in the Roadrunner Coyote cartoons. There was like a dust trail, and you never saw her. <laughs> you know, and and now you see her now, and she's uh, she's got John Deere t-shirts on, and you know, all into the Farmville and stuff. And if I've got work to do, I can I gotta beg my family to give me a hand, and they want nothing to do with it. But you know, this Farmville kind of lets them. It's it's almost like it kind of like. Almost like the country boom in the 90s, you know, when everyone was wearing a Garth Brooks T-shirt. Yeah. It's almost like it allows them to fit this cool niche that uh, they're one of those country people without, you know. Doing the work for it. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't remember my sister ever putting in an 18- or 19-hour day growing up. As a matter of fact, a funny story, she, she wanted nothing to do with the farm as a kid. And my dad, dad always worked off the farm, too, so I was like his little right-hand man. So he told my sister one day, you know, he's like, you, you really got to help. We got a lot of work to do. And this was back, way back when. We didn't even have a kicker on the old square bale. You see them square bales you got to pick up, you know? Mm -hmm. And we had a bale where it actually, you had to ride on the wagon and stack the bale. So dad says, told my sister, you're going to have to help with that. She goes on the wagon with me and... The bales are coming. She uh, grabs one and just sits down, like, right in the way. <laughs> and I'm trying to work around her, and I look at her. I'm like, are you going to help or not? And she goes, I'm out here. That's what Dad said I had to do. I just looked at her, 
kicked her square and hard right in the back. She fell off the wagon, ran all the way to the house, and that's all she ever wanted. She was like a suburban kid that uh, just happened to be born on a farm. Uh, but now uh, she likes to play Farmville a little bit. Cam, Georgia, Ron and Fez show. Well, what's up, guys? Got an Ichiban for you. Ichiban. Ichiban. Well, first of all, go USA. Second of all, Lawrence right. Taylor has been indicted on sexual abuse, sexual conduct, rape, and all that jazz. So uh, let's look that up, Hicks, and make sure that you give us the actual stuff that he was accused of. Um, because the way it was going down at first did not look like he was going to have a rape charge against him. Um, this sounds like it's going to be pretty aggressive. Lawrence Taylor was with a prostitute. The prostitute turned out to be 13 years old. Um, and he kind of copped to, you know, being with her right away. His lawyer said, yeah, he's with this girl. Just no idea of how it went down. He's been indicted by a suburban New York grand jury on charges of rape, criminal sexual act, and sexual abuse. Wow. So LT could be the latest Hall of Famer uh, doing a hell of a lot of time if this all comes down. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Jeremy London, uh, he was the guy who, his story is this. Uh, I was out. My car broke down. I was changing a tire. A couple of guys helped me, then forced me back into my car, made me buy liquor, drink it, and smoke crack with them, and buy liquor and crack for their friends. He escapes, goes to the cops, tells them the story. I guess picks the guys out in the lineup, but because he's had a past where he's had to deal with some... Uh, narcotics problems, and supposedly everything that he got was from a doctor, but he still had to go to rehab for it. But because he has that kind of past, people don't uh, believe him. Um, he's now got a cease and desist order for his twin brother Jason and his mom to stop saying that he lied on national television. Now, I don't know how you could get a cease and desist on... Stop talking to, about me. I'd have to. Um, I'd have to hear how this is done. Yeah, whenever you like slander more than a like a, a, a restraining order. Well, I thought it like a cease and desist you could do if somebody who was like using your material, you know, somebody was covering your song, or like if we got a hold of uh, Lady Gaga's next single but she hasn't released it yet, and then we start playing it, they can hit us with a cease and desist. I don't know if she could say, stop telling that Jerry Seinfeld story. I want to cease and desist of when you guys were saying I have no talent. I didn't know you could get away with that. But even his own twin brother uh, doesn't believe him. Now, out of the two brothers, one was in Party of Five and Mallrats, and the other one is... Randall Pink Floyd from Days and Confused. You got to do what Randall Pink Floyd wants to do. You got to keep on living. And he's the one that I'm going to back up, Pink Floyd. And uh, I, apparently he said on TV 
this is the nuttiest shit ever. None of this happens. I can't believe how how much of a liar my fucking twin brother is. I mean, I know you say bros before hoes. You can't back your own fucking twin brother with his crazy uh, story. He's the one who knows him best. I'm believing Jason London. Jeremy London made this whole thing up. All right. I know you best, right? Uh-huh. And I know you're crazy. Right. But if something that happened to you that just sounded crazy, there still is a percentage of a chance that that did happen. That you got in some kind of a fucking uh, beef somewhere and uh, this thing went down. Um, never can stop it. Jason, Detroit, you're in running Fez. Hey, boys. Um, hey, Fuzzy, now since uh, LT's been indicted, can we get an LT rape joke? I don't ha I had a rape joke, but I don't have an LT rape joke. Not even since the other day? No, I, because I didn't know L I didn't, I did a Megan Fox rape joke. What was that? Uh, well, that was a long time ago. No, I, I had a new one prepared. I don't even know what you're talking about. What do you mean, Megan Fox? Because yesterday they said uh, you said come up with a new rape joke. So just a, a couple weeks ago, Megan Fox talked about she compared the paparazzi to rape. Well, that must be a really long lens on the camera. That was Kristen Stewart who said. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was shit. What's wrong, Fitz? I thought it was Megan Fox. I'm confused about the whole thing. What Kristen Stewart was raped? No, she compared the paparazzi to being raped. So my new rape joke was Kristen Stewart compared uh, the paparazzi to rape. Well, that must be a really long lens on the camera. If she's getting raped by the paparazzi. Well, what happened with Megan Fox? No, I guess nothing happened with Megan Fox. I get those two mixed up. I'm an idiot. Why are you going to mix it up? They look different. They seem totally the same to me. What's this got to do with LT? That has nothing to do with LT. So my, I, what I was explaining was I didn't have a, an LT rape joke. So, as, like, so let's suppose I was in your situation uh, and you said, uh, do you have an LT rape joke? Do you have an LT rape joke? You know, it was crazy is LT is being followed by the paparazzi and he says the paparazzi is like rape. Well, then that must be a long lens on the camera. You don't have to fucking be honest when you're telling a joke. Stick to the, yeah. Yeah. What you can do is focus on the what? Moment. The moment? What moment? The moment that's happening. No, the joke. Uh, Paul, Florida, you're in Manifest. Hey, Ronnie, I was just out, uh, on Pensacola Beach, and one of those oil plumes just showed up, and it is, like, covering the beach now. It's not the tarball shit anymore. It's actually looking like Louisiana. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. Are you serious? Finally fucking came two months later. All right. Uh, I want you to keep an eye on this, Paul, and keep me updated, all right? I will, buddy. Thank Peace. you. Because I'm trying to run the whole fucking cleanup from right out of here. And now, for some reason, they said BP has taken the cap off of the oil spill, off of the leak. Mm -hmm. So now it's completely free-flowing again. Uh, is there a different leak? Because you said Exxon. Isn't it BP? It's BP. Did I say Exxon? Yeah. I fucked that up, too. I made that up. Uh, you said BP. I just thought okay. it would be a fucking funny joke. 
Uh, Paul, Jersey, you're on Fez. Bob in Jersey? Yeah, I guess. Hey, sorry. Hey, I'm really missing soundboard, Fez. At least there were never any mistakes. All right, the guy made a mistake. You wanted to say Megan Fox. You said fucking Michael J. Fox. Then you wanted to say rape. <laughs> Instead, you said Lou Gehrig's disease. Is that what he has? No, he has Parkinson's. LT? No, LT has rape charges. Mm. LT rape Michael J. Fox? That's what he's saying. So you heard it here first. Uh, the 13-year-old boy was Michael J. Fox. Who's not going to believe him? Well, no one believes Jeremy London. London calling is what I like to fucking say to him. London's calling. I was made to do crack. Uh, but the police believe him, apparently. The police have locked these guys up. And you got to think to yourself, they must be used to crazy people. I wonder why they're believing them. Well, we got to take blood work and find some crack in there. If I was Jeremy London, I'd ask that this played every time I entered a party. That Lady Gaga is a joke, Kramer. She's a jerk, and she ought to go back to the jerk store. The first time I ever saw you not line up with Jerry Seinfeld. I think he was overreacting. I don't see where it was that big a deal that he's so upset. Then why isn't Keith Hernandez asking uh, fucking Lady Gaga to be poured on this? He should beat the shit out of her. I don't know if he could. Here's uh, Andy. You're on Fez. Andy, going once, twice. Let's move over to Rich in Boston. You're on Fez. Hey, guys. What's going on? Yeah. I got a Nietzsche bond for you. Uh, what do you got? I don't know if you guys heard about the French cannibal that ate his uh, cellmate's lungs. Mm-hmm. I guess they got in an argument. He got a dirty look, and this guy butchered him and ate his lungs while he was still alive. It's all over the uh, New York Daily News. All right. I'll have to look into this story. Hannibal the Cannibal. Still making things happen. You know, we're talking about the Seinfeld show. The Everyone remembers the Soup Nazi episode. That was uh, based on a real-life character named Soupman here in uh, New York. And he had a great little soup place on 55th Street. He would stand there, make fresh soup all day ladle it out, the Soup Nazi episode comes out, he gets famous, starts trying to sell frozen soups in the market, uh, and then opening up little Soup uh, Man franchises. And I believe they went out, right, Fez? Uh, they're yeah. not around anymore. 
And the frozen soups also didn't work. Yeah, I, I don't see those any, anywhere. Uh, after six years of being closed, he kept the lease on that little location. And it's no bigger than clo- uh, a closet. July 20, he reopens. He's deciding, after six years of being on the beach, Soup Man is back. Now, they always say you can't go back home again. And you can't, you know, rewrite history. Does the soup man have a chance? I think he's got a great chance. I think this is what people wanted out of the soup man, to be there at his little soup kitchen, his little soup stand, and be selling soup. And it's not like the Seinfeld reruns are going away anytime soon. People are going to be constantly reminded of the soup Nazi. Funny stuff, Fez. Uh, Hicks, can he come back? Now, he <laughs> fucked his brand up with those stupid uh, frozen. I had them at yeah. the supermarket. And they had them in cold sold creameries, too, where they would fucking start selling the shit. Terrible. He's fucked himself. Did you ever go to the original Soup Man, though? No, I have not. <laughs> I had a lobster bisque there that was unfucking believable. And I'm not playing games with you. Or the Mogatani. Uh, see? You don't. Fez is right about that. You don't forget these things. You know that he's there. And what people wanted was that little single shop where the guy stood there himself and made it perfectly. Now, so I know I'm at least going to give him one try. But I don't know if you can jump back into the game. Because being now six years since he's closed and probably ten years since he's done the work where he is the one physically doing it, I don't know whether you can jump back in. He's been sitting on Easy Street for a while now. I'm sure he made a shitload of money selling that shit to whatever s- s- company that fucking sold it at the restaurants or whatever. But it- I think he's fucked. Uh, here is uh, Chris, your manifest. Hey, guys. I just want to let you know that the frozen soup, uh, the soup man soup, is still in stores in Florida because I just saw it in a Publix yesterday. Yeah, I think that's a bad sign if he's acting like I really want to go back and do it. And then the other thing is, is funny. What's he doing open in the summer? Bad he used to close too. all summer. Yeah, it's, it's soup. hot soup is a fall, winter fucking food. Absolutely. But it's, it's a standard when you get cold. And, I mean, when you got hot soup on a cold day over there, it was fucking uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, it seems a little desperate, though. This seems a desperate fucking move. He's fucked up in the last few years. I mean, that shit was terrible. Have you ever noticed, though, how many of the celebrity chefs seem to do that? Like, they can't stop opening up new places? Oh, yeah. Bobby Flay has a fucking two dozen restaurants or some shit. And then he has all those TV shows. They're too. all like that, too. Every yeah. one of those guys has, like, oh, I've got a ton of restaurants now. I mean, the money must be terrific, but you're never going to be as great as you were before. Oh, hell no. I mean, they're, they're, they just hand it off, right, to other chefs, that they, they're sous chefs or whatever, or they're executive chefs, and they just go around making appearances. They even yeah. cook at their own places that much anymore, these top chefs? No, oh, they couldn't. Although the last time I was at Bobby Flay's place, I saw him just cooking. That's it awesome. It looked really crazy to see him on the line. He's uh, the man. But any one of those celebrity chefs is the same exact way. Gordon Ramsay has to open a new one every year for Hell's Kitchen just to have a prize for his winner to go to. But then he just sold his one in New York. It was great when he first opened it, and then the reviews kept getting worse and worse, and, you know, is that what you want? You want to have a bunch of okay places or one really fucking unbelievably great place? 
Well, every chef gets fucking gets on the Food Network, gets a TV show, and then just they don't care anymore. They're just trying to over they overextend themselves, and make just trying to make as much money as they it's possibly can. Hard to fucking say. Look, I know you want to back the money truck up, but I don't want you to do it. It's a very difficult yeah. thing to say. No, I don't want to truck up money. Take it somewhere else. Um. Also, every chef today, or every new chef coming up has sleeves of fucking tattoos on them. Every single one. It's very odd. Well, it's your whole fucking generation and the stupid sleeves. I saw the sleeve growing the cupcake last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I was there. I had some kind of a food fucking email, but I can't find it. Send it over for you guys to print this morning. Um, let's take a break here. Back in just a couple of minutes. Uh Plenty to talk about. And, Fez, you also uh, have one of your anti-gay rants today? Exactly. All right. Can you t- keep that tight? I will try to keep it tight. little thing about Father's Day. All right. Bye. Ron Fez on the virus. Famous-smoke.com. It is the place to go for your cigar needs because... You're not going to get the jacked up prices that you're going to find in cigar stores. Well, it's not just cigar needs. Fezzi has cigar wants. That's the thing about this product. Uh, and you've got so many over there that you can sit around and play with a little bit. You can go, I'm going to take one of these, one of these. Give me one of the samplers. So many people are going, what is a good cigar to start with? I get those emails all the time. And I'm like, everybody's taste is so different with this. And there's always these little subtle brands of cigars. Like some people like it a little strong, stronger. Some people like it a little lighter. Get some of these sample packs and find out for yourself. Well, you're going to have some cigars being delivered probably this afternoon. It should be this afternoon. So you can tell me how those turn out. From I famous, will. Famous-smoke.com. It's the best when you're ordering on there. I ordered those cigars. I immediately get a chance to get a sampler pack like you were talking about. Free of charge. That's worth like sixty bucks. I can add that on. Then as well, they give you sixty free sixty dollars of free cigars. Yeah, just for the order that I was placing. Unbelievable. So that was the. You don't understand, Fuzzy, how opposite this is the way of cigar buying has been. You know, it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter out there. And this deal that you're telling me about, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Normally, if I go to a, a regular cigar place in the city. After three or four or five trips, a guy will go, here's one free cigar. I want you to try this, hoping that you'll come back again. To get a sample pack worth $60, stunning to me. Yeah, and I'm already saving 30% off the price from going online to famous-smoke.com instead of a store. Then as I'm checking out, I find out, yeah, I'm eligible for free shipping as well. Then... Uh, then you have a chance to put in the promo code. Even after that, for every order over $50, type in the promo code Ron and Fez, and you'll get $10 off your order. Mm. For every order over $50. That's all happening at Famous-Smoke.com. Famous-Smoke.com. Uh, it's, a, it's one of the few ways left that you can financially, without ruining yourself, enjoy cigars. And there's nothing like a cigar at the end of the day, guys. You're playing golf, nice cigar after. It's one of the few ways that guys can bond these days. You sit down, you're discussing something, a business thing, things are going your way. Two guys 
share a cigar together. Perfect way. Perfect way to bond over something. And Famous-Smoke.com rated the number one online cigar retailer by About.com. Well, you can't get any bigger than About.com. They know about everything. Mm. Famous-Smoke.com. Check it out. It's 50 For every order on $50, you get $10 off that order. Put in your code Ron and Fez. That's your promo code that goes in at the end of your checkout. Famous-Smoke.com, where the discounts are smoking. The Virus. Sirius 197, XM 202. Ron and Fez. It is the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's uh, DD in Kansas. Whoop, lost you. Let's go over here to Steve. Steve in Kentucky, you're on Ron and Fez. Hey, Roddy, I got a question for you. It's kind of a moral conundrum, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about classic rock songs that are not PC correct in today's day and age and them just deleting lyrics? Uh, you mean on terrestrial radio or... No, I actually was on XM. I was listening to the 80s channels yesterday with my daughter, and uh, Money for Nothing came on mm-hmm. by Dire Straits. And that whole verse where he goes, the little faggot with the earring, the little fat wiped it all out. Never played it. Yeah, the interesting part of that is, like, that is something that he had uh, heard somebody saying. So it's almost like it was in a movie line. It obviously doesn't represent, you know, Mark Knopfler, uh, the writer. Uh, but the character that was saying that in the in the song, I got a gigantic uh, problem with it. I just find it to be ridiculous. And here's the thing: to me, it was like, if you don't want to play the song, don't play the song. Or you can go back to the artist and say, "How would you like this done?" There's plenty of people who go, "Look, I don't mind you bleeping it out." I mean, let's face it: by the time that you're getting something to TV, you know, the TV movie. Uh, it's already getting around that way. But it's always surprising to me when we seem to be regressing in terms of freedoms. And I don't know why any fucking gay person would have a problem with it in the context of this song. It'd be insane. Um, but that was the 80s. The 80s was a little more wide open. And uh, I believe it was 25 years ago, uh, a book came out called Less Than Zero. Uh, And there's somewhat of a sequel to it out right now um, called uh, Imperial Bedrooms. I guess you would call it a sequel. It kind of picks up what the characters are doing now, but it doesn't really... It's not as focused on the first book as much as you normally would as the sequel. Uh, Brett Easton Ellis wrote that when he was 20 years old. 20 years old. Writes the book, get its pu- get, gets it published, uh, 1985, with less than zero. But do you remember what you were doing when you were 20 years old? Um, I was still in women's college in Pensacola. What were you doing for a job? Um, I was working at a hamburger grill on You're campus. working at a hamburger grill? He wrote, yeah. a bi- he wrote a big hit book. He wrote less than zero. I was uh, burning f- fries. Followed that up with Rules of Attraction, American Psycho, Hicks' favorite book of all time, uh, The Informers, Glamorama, uh, Lunar Park, and now Imperial Bedrooms, which uh, picks up from that whole crazy fucking gang uh, doing uh, Less Than Zero. Brett 
Easton Ellis is the writer. Why don't we do this, Fez? Because, you know, we're not uh, terrestrial radio. We get big guests. Let's bring him into the show. The writer of Less Than Zero and now Imperial Bedrooms, Brett Easton Ellis. Issues with crocodile tears and a pocket full of tissues. I'm just the artist slick and the wind up world of a nervous tick. In a very fashionable harbor, I hang around and to be tortured. You'll never be alone in the bone arches. Rattle with a bottle is nothing so novel. So in this almost empty gin palace. Imperial Bedrooms is the uh, the new novel, and it is, I'll say a follow-up. I don't know whether you're calling it a, a sequel to Less Than Zero, Brett. I like follow-up. Yeah. Follow-up is good. Because uh, you've you've picked up the characters, but not so much picked up the story. They're off in, you know, 25 years down the road. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot later. And I don't know if I was r- really that interested in the entire group. Mm-hmm. I was very interested in where Clay, the narrator of Less Than Zero, ended up now. And right. that's the thing that really kind of haunted me and the reason why I wrote the book. I'd reread Less Than Zero, I guess, about eight years ago when I was working on my last book. And just that question of where did this character end up wouldn't leave me. And so I started like answering all these questions I had about him, like, what does he do? Where is he? Is he married? Does he have kids? And then I started to make an outline, and I started to make some notes, and then, um, you know, from that a novel appeared. But it really wasn't about the group so much, um, the other characters in Less Than Zero, as it was about where was the 19-year-old boy of Less Than Zero mm-hmm. now. Hey, is that a tough thing for you to go back and read something that you wrote so long ago? I mean, 
is is it something that you you know try to stop yourself from editing or why did I make that choice or <laughs> that's why I don't reread the books yeah that's why once they're published I never look back at them and the only reason that I had reread Lesson Zero because I hadn't read it since it was published was because I was working on a book called Lunar Park which was about a character named Brett Easton Ellis and I had to refamiliarize myself with his work and so mm -hmm. I had to go back and reread all my work which I didn't want to do but you know what it wasn't that bad. And, and then, you know, because of that, uh, this new book appeared. So, you know, in a way it was good. But I, you're right. I can't reread the books once they're finally published because I open the book and I go, oh, whoa. I mean, this is there forever. And I wish I could change that. And yeah. I wish I could, like, you know, move that around and, you know, just it's uh, it can be painful. Yeah, it can. But at the same time, that's, uh, you know, since you're writing kind of both age appropriate, both books. Uh, follow along with your age that there should be changes i guess there should be different perspectives you know what i mean uh, you you should be a different writer than when you were younger oh i think you're completely right yeah. i mean look every novel that i've written so far and i haven't really written a lot i think it's about six now um every narrator is basically the age i was when i wrote the book yeah. and that's just how i work i mean i'm and i think the reason for that is because I'm writing pretty personal stuff. Um, regardless of how dark the books are, you know, they come from a very personal place or else I couldn't write them. I mean, because you write a book because you have a feeling. It really comes from an emotion. It's not mm -hmm. like a logical, practical thing. You don't wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to write the sequel to Lesson Zero. I'm going to call it Imperial Bedrooms and it's going to be about Clay and, these, and this group of people. And you're going to sit down and chart the whole thing out. It comes from, you know, thinking about it for a long time, feeling a lot of different things, you know, pain, stress, loneliness, whatever. And then all of that emotion starts forming a novel. So yeah, it is, it's very personal. And yes, I think the writing does change over the years as I get older. I can see a lot of differences between uh, the writer I was at 20 and the mm. writer I was in the last three or four years when I, while I was working on Imperial Bedrooms. And since you're working for a place of feelings, do you think that they, that that kind of matures uh, or is it something that you know, dis disappointment because Clay, man, I, it, it's very tough. You know, obviously, a lot of your stuff is tough to read through, particularly if you identify with any of it. You start going, oh, Jesus, because a lot of the times in this book, it's horrible people doing horrible things. I mean, there's some horrible things <laughs> that take place here. Yeah, there's uh, my editor had some major <laughs> problems with some stuff in this book, and we fought about it a lot. Yeah. But well, look, I mean, horrible doesn't necessarily mean uninteresting. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean uh, it's not worth your while. I mean, I, if I look at all of the fiction that I hugely admire, um, you know, and I judge the book, and I'm not saying you're judging the book based on the character's mm -hmm. horrible behavior, but if I had to, like, choose my favorite books, there's a ton of horrible behavior in my favorite books. Mm -hmm. I mean, reread The Great Gatsby. I mean, everybody in that, the body count in that book right. is huge. Everyone's a murderer. Everyone's behaving atrociously. Yet it's probably the great American novel. And um, this is true for anything from, you know, Lolita, a fantastic novel, but about a pedophile. I mean, how does that happen? You know, mm -hmm. you, you start to identify with that character because of the writer's artistry. And you start to be transported into this world because the writer has a sensibility that you connect with. And... Um, you know, I guess, I, unlike other writers, I am drawn to a kind of extreme type, and Clay ended up really being no exception in this book. 
Uh, but I had problems with Clay in the first book, too. I mean, a lot of people thought he was the hero of Less Than Zero. And I actually thought he was part of the problem because of his passivity and mm. his inaction and how he doesn't like. There are many times in that book, especially near the end of Lesson Zero, where he could have called the police. He mm. could have stopped some stuff from happening and he doesn't do it. And I thought it was really interesting to see where that guy at 19 ended up. At 43, and Imperial Bedrooms was, you know, my answer to it. Hey, yeah, there does seem to be uh, a coldness that you started with, you know, I think in Lesson Zero with him, that just is, um, he's he's way more involved, I guess, in some uh, some of the horrible things that we talked about. You know what I mean? Like he's not just um, not make not calling the police, but you know. He's right. He's not a voyeur anymore. Yeah. He's just not. He's not an observer anymore, drifting around. He has appetites. He's hungry. He wants things. He's entitled. He's a successful man at this point in his life, and he's also <laughs> he's like a raging narcissist as well. And he doesn't really care <laughs> about anything but himself, you know. Yeah. And and part of what the, the damage uh, in the book stems from him thinking that all of this stuff is about him. I mean, this, being, this stuff being there's like a murder conspiracy off to the side, but that Clay somehow inserts himself into because there are certain things he wants very badly. And um, because he inserts himself into this conspiracy, uh, there's a lot of collateral damage, I guess. And then, yeah, it's funny you said that, too, because the other character is always like, this isn't about you. They're telling him over time and, and again, yeah, yeah. over and over again. But that is one of those things that uh, you hate to identify with as a as a reader, where you go, yeah, I do think so much of this stuff. And then the other thing, of course, um, that worked in Lesson Zero again, uh, and again here in Imperial Bedrooms, is that thing of, I'm from some place, and I knew these people at a certain point, and at, because of when it happens at a certain age, it's tough to think that you're anybody else. No matter what else you go out and become or pretend to become later in life, that one core thing of your early days um, sticks with you. Well, you have to get over that. Yeah. You have to grow up. I mean, yeah. it's a point where, come on, guys, let's, like, you know, deal with it. It's time to, you know, move on. And all that works out as long as you're, you've got some distance between you and them. But as soon as you go back to your ho uh, hometown, those feelings just jump back on top of you. Uh, you know what? I have to totally agree with you because I have not been back in New York for four years. And mm -hmm. I got back here yesterday and I went straight from Penn Station to I had to do some interviews downtown. And uh, and there were a lot of reasons why I left the city, why I left New York, a place that I lived for, I don't know, 17 years, 18 mm -hmm. years. And I, I moved back to L.A. and I was in uh, the car, like being driven around. And I was just really overwhelmed with all of these emotions from five, six, ten years ago. And I felt this. All of the urges and all of the desires that I had, like, really coming back at me and transporting me back to when I was in my 20s or my 30s even. And it was kind of overwhelming. And then, you know, I kind of shook my head and I got out of it and I moved on and, you know. But I agree with you. That does happen. And it's stuff, like you said, you've got to work on it, but it is like a constant thing. Particularly if you're not always happy with the stuff that yeah. you did years ago. Oh, well, well, that's true, but you got to make peace with it. You have yeah. to, like, make friends with it and go, hey, okay, I did a lot of bad stuff. You know, I'm going to become friends with it, and, I mean, I'm not doing it anymore, but I'm not going to, like, you know, hit myself over the head again and again because mm -hmm. of, you know, 
uh, bad behavior that happened a long time ago. And I guess for uh, you know being a writer, that's that's the stuff that you can work with. Oh well, the stuff you work with is pain. Right. I mean, uh, when I, I mean, people ask about American Psycho all the time, and they say, "Well, you you must have written that book because you wanted to attack Wall Street and and yuppie greed and materialism." And actually, you know, I now rather meekly, you know, admit, uh, no, guys, Patrick Bateman was kind of based on me and my loneliness and my frustration and my alienation. And, and it was about me entering into the world of adulthood and being really disappointed. And, you know, all the constraints of the adult world were really disappointing to me. And the idea of conforming to this, you know, a lifestyle, you know, I thought it sucked. And that really is where American Psycho came from. And then, of course, it, it, it grew into a much bigger novel. But the the core of the novel and why I write any novel stems from, you know, feelings of, of pain. That's really mm -hmm. where it comes from. And I think writing the books, though, are fun. I mean, and writing the books take you away from that pain. You know, you, you, you write the book to transport yourself away from those feelings and to also figure them out within a fictional context, within a book. You're figuring out a lot of things about yourself while you're writing a book. And I think a lot of my books were um, were exorcisms in a way for issues that I had, whether they were about love or my father or, you know, problems I had with, uh, you know, friends of mine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's where, that's where it comes from. And do you feel you get to put that to bed at the end of the book or do you feel like that's a lot of these themes will pack pop back up for you? Uh, huh? No, I really do think, I mean, if you spend a long time on a book, I really do think that you you move through it. I mean, I don't, I hate to like compare writing to therapy in a way, mm -hmm. but uh, in a way it ultimately is. You're living with this material and you're figuring it out for two, three, four years. And by the end of it, I think you have a better understanding of mm -hmm. certain issues you have. And I know, for example, when I finished Lunar Park, and I had a lot of issues with my dad, really, really difficult relationship with him. And the book, in a way, is dedicated to him, and in a lot of ways, is about him. And by the time I finished that book, you know, I totally felt all that anger and all of that, all of those negative feelings about him. You know, he had passed away, and we weren't talking at the time he passed away. Um, he died very suddenly. All those negative feelings and all those, like, conversations I had in my head about him evaporated just completely evaporated and i don't feel that like stress and pain about our relationship anymore so mm. it does it it totally it totally works that way um you know you and i were talking a little bit about elvis costello as the uh song beyond belief was playing and you know when i talk to songwriters it's it's always amazing to me how so many of the great songs just appear really quickly that they'll just you know, they're working all the time, and then boom, a great song is there. But with a novel, it's a much different thing, I would imagine. I mean, it seems like it's much more of a struggle that it takes. Well, the time that you spend between books yourself is like, what, four or five years on, about an average? Or? I, wish it was, I wish it was a lot less, but yeah. yeah, you're right. It's about five years, six years sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm slow. Mm -hmm. I'm very slow, and there's other things going on in my life, but... um, um. And I'm not one of those writers who's kind of on an assembly line, you know, who mm -hmm. boom, 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 your publisher expects a book every year and you've got to write this book whether you want to write it or not. But um, my publisher and I have a good relationship and all that. So, uh, but, but you know what? In a way, I agree with you because it does take a long time to uh, get the entire novel in your head onto paper. You mm -hmm. know, it takes a long time to do that. But 
you know, like I said before, that idea for Imperial Bedrooms came while I was like driving my car along, you know, Coldwater Canyon in L.A. When suddenly in my I had finished Lesson Zero the day before when I reread it and I heard in my head, hey, where's Clay now? What's he doing? Do you think he's back in L.A.? And I was just driving, listening to music, and suddenly I thought, whoa, that's interesting. So, the, for example, the genesis from Pill Bedroom started like, like a snap. Uh, yeah, that quickly. It was there with you. And then you've got to flush it out, and that's what takes a while, I guess. Well, it was the same thing with American Psycho. Like, I, again, the, the novel came from my frustrations and my pain, but I did talk to a lot of guys on Wall Street, and I was interviewing them about what was going on during that time in 86, 87. And I remember at an endless dinner, like like 50th dinner with these guys, uh, various guys, um, for some reason I was really bored and I was like looking at my plate or having ordered another drink. And I looked around the table and I thought, oh my God, one of these guys is a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that came <laughs> into my head, but it suddenly came into my head and boom, that's that second switched everything around. So yeah, I mean, it takes a long time to write a novel, but that minute of you know that second of inspiration can come out of the blue from nowhere and you got to be ready for it and you got to say this is the one because i imagine different ideas pop into your head all the time oh wouldn't this make a great book but then you got to know which one to chase uh no that's no? not true i don't get any good ideas <laughs> for books no good ideas for books and if i got a good idea for a book i mean every good idea for a book i have written that book mm -hmm. i do not have any other ideas floating around there i have no like half finished manuscripts or ideas for stories you know in a, on a file on my computer or anything no it is completely every what i've thought about I published. You brought up American Psycho, and the, the thing uh, that I loved in that book that was always genius to me was how you would break away on a chapter and about his love and devotion to less than great music was, <laughs> I always thought was like, and that can sometimes happen to me with people if they just suddenly start going into some band and how crazy they are about it. I will pick picture them as a psycho killer. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what band. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, yeah, everyone everyone said, what is it so hard to write all those violent scenes in American Psycho when I said, no, listen to Genesis for a month. And that's that's the harrowing part. <laughs> the love for Huey Lewis uh, that, that he laid down. That, too. Um, you've uh, had quite a few of your books turned into movies, and I'm sure already uh, – that there are people that are interested in. Could you, as a movie, go back and look 25 years later? Um, is that stuff you think of as you're writing the book, or you just let all that take place after what you're going to do? All that, all that stuff takes place after because the idea for the book is an idea for a book. Mm -hmm. It's not an idea for a movie, and I've never written a book thinking that it would be turned into a movie. The books seem to me to work and function best as a novel. As a literary experience, as someone sitting down, holding a book, and flipping through the pages by themselves and imagining this world, you know, on their own. Um, an idea for a movie uh, comes to me, and I write a script. Mm -hmm. So the two things are very separate. And I find it really ironic that um, my novels are uh, turned into movies often. I, I Because I don't see them. I see all these obstacles in the novels um, in terms of, like, moving them from one medium into another. From moving them from books into uh, movies. Um, but, you know, people try and they sometimes they succeed, sometimes they don't. You said it's hard to go back and read the books. Can, is it hard for you to watch the movie of what, you know, the way they decide to translate this novel? Or? 
Uh, only the movie that I was involved with <laughs> translating, which was The Informers. That's a little tough to watch because I was so involved in the production of that movie. And though there are things that I like about it, um, yeah, I'm now avoiding eye contact with you and looking down at the floor <laughs> when, when, I, when, that, when the name of that movie comes up. And I have to like, like uh. but I like the other movies. No, yeah. I like them. Yeah, I do. And, I, and I've grown fond of uh, Less Than Zero, which is a movie that I kind of didn't like when it came out. But now, I don't know, 80s nostalgia set in and I'm like, yeah. James Spader, yeah, yeah, the Bengals, all right, yeah. Well, you Poison. Know that, it's funny that you say that, too, because the 80s music in this book is just kind of in the background that you don't put up. You know, there's some song playing, but it really is playing like... Far the, away. Yeah, far away. Far and away, yeah. Almost music. I mean, we don't, I guess, have music anymore. But there is kind of... 80s music playing in the background of restaurants. Well, right yeah, or or um, right in the opening of the book, uh, Clay, who lives in a high rise at the top floor of a high rise in West Hollywood, um, in the very beginning of the book, he's about to go to sleep, and down, way down in West Hollywood, there's a club, and he hears uh, Duran Duran's "Hungry Like the Wolf" rising upward, but very faintly. And in the first book, it was playing very loudly a lot mm -hmm. of the time, and it was playing at a drug dealer's den in Malibu, blasting out. And now that same song is very far away from him as he's gotten older and, you know, accelerated in society, I guess, is what ha has happened to him. And also his youth, you know, he's gotten mm -hmm. older. I mean, it's, it's fading away. Uh, when Less Than Zero came out, it was this L.A., Thing where people talked about L.A. and money and stuff. And what kind of got interesting in about the next 20 years is that lifestyle moved all around the country where there started to be easy money in places like Omaha and Birmingham, Alabama. And you, it seemed to me that those same characters started to pop up around the country where these rich kids... Uh, that had everything going for him, you know, just opened up a meth lab in their dad's garage. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, well, what about the guys in American Psycho? I mean, the young guys who are in their early to mid-20s, I mean, where are they now? I mm -hmm. mean, where are we now, you know? I mean, I when everything started to fall apart a couple of years ago in terms of the economy, I mean, it did flash through my mind, God, I think I knew some of these guys when I was doing, you know, the 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 uh, the research for American Psycho and you know so yeah you know I, I guess if you write contemporary fiction or you set uh, fiction at the time that you are writing it um, which is what I always tend to do you end up being accidentally prophetic mm. I think in a way and when I wrote Lesson Zero I did not. I'm, when I'm writing a book, I'm not thinking about the future, but the less than zero like lifestyle that I thought was in only a tiny, tiny neighborhood in right. Los Angeles, yeah, that lifestyle really kind of blossomed out of control, and it's still going on at an even more intense pace. But I don't think it was going on, you know, uh, it, it didn't loom that large in no. the culture at that time. And now, you know, when I see. A lot of these kids, um, thinking, whoa. It became very important what kind of shoes they were wearing, what kind of bag. I mean, just rich kid problems. The hills. You know? yeah. The hills. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, yeah. And you know what's interesting, too, though, with, like you said, that so much of the stuff that you, you've done pops up in the news. It seems like you don't take advantage of the talking head shows. There would be so many times 
that I think that, you know, when Wall Street was collapsing, that you could have jumped on these shows and gave your viewpoints and uh, saw this coming. What, what keeps you away from doing stuff like that? A lot of writers do it. A lot of writers will, you know, find any TV show to give their opinion. <laughs> Some of them, some of those writers are my close friends. By the <laughs> yeah. way. Okay. I know some of those writers intimately. Um, you know, no, I'm asked a lot. Yeah. I was, I'm asked a lot for for a lot of things. And I, first of all, don't think a I'm qualified. Mm -hmm. I'm primarily a writer, a quote unquote artist. If you, if you, and I just don't feel comfortable going up and pretending to be a, a sociologist. And I, and and I don't like. I also because I don't like being on camera. I hate being on camera. So that's that's those are those are two things totally against me ever you know doing stuff like that. And I guess you could walk around pretty comfortably in the world without people coming up to you. I mean, since you don't do a lot of TV, um, completely. Yeah, yeah, very anonymous. I mean, as a writer, well, the thing is that yeah, I am completely anonymous when I'm walking around. Uh, sometimes the credit card. Right, that Your name. gets a reaction, and it's it's really interesting that the name does get a lot of reaction. But I can walk around the streets or anywhere and not be recognized for years. Mm -hmm. But you, you know, I, I I pay for dinner and or something, and you know the waiter will be very complimentary about a book of mine, <laughs> which is pleasant. That's yeah, a very, right. That's like the best of both worlds. Is like you know. Being recognized and people telling you that they like your work once they see your name rather than, you know, just running up. Well, I guess there was a time in the 80s, though, where all uh, you and that class of writers that you're with were watched pretty hard by the media, right? I remember stuff like Spy Magazine would, you know, rip you guys for where you happened to be partying that night. Or, <laughs> That's every, true. Everyone acted uh, like, I think, with that whole 80s group of, come on, write something even better all the time. I don't, I don't know where that came from, but it seemed like they all, maybe, maybe everybody thought you guys were too young with the original success that you had. Look, I was 23 when I moved to New York. I wanted to go to parties and nightclubs. Yeah. I mean, I did not want to be the member, this ossified member of the literary community <laughs> and just go to like pen dinners every night. <laughs> and Elaine's. And go to book parties. And <laughs> Elaine's. I did not want to go to Elaine's. And actually, everyone that I knew, I was really the youngest guy in that group of, you know, Jay McInerney and yeah. various editors who were kind of well-known in, in, you know, the gossip columns at the time. I just wanted to hang out with my friends who had moved here to New York from, you know, college and just have fun. And I guess the press took this as an affront to, you know, um, being the young literary writer of the moment that I should have taken everything a lot more seriously. And maybe if I was 10 years older, maybe mm -hmm. I would have. And maybe it would have been interesting to me. But no, I got a lot of flack from people for being someone who went to nightclubs. And to me, that was just ridiculous because I was 23. What else does a 23-year-old do when they're in a big city? You want to go out at night. You mm -hmm. know, you don't. I, I, what, I was supposed to, you know, sit in some garret with like, you know, a candle burning and having like a feathered pen while I'm like torturingly, <laughs> you know, scratching out my newest English novel. And it wasn't that good. I wasn't going to play it that way. And also I wasn't ever interested in the literary world. You know, I wrote books and I like to write books, but the idea of like being active in the publishing industry was never uh, attractive to me. And it's not because the publishing industry was so bad. It's just that, you know, it wasn't my scene. It, wasn't it just scene. wasn't the world you signed up for. No, it wasn't. I mean, look, there's writing books and then there's being this endless active self-promoter, which, again, some of my best friends are that kind of writer. Um, but I just, it doesn't interest me. Well, it's really hard to do that, uh, to, to write books without doing that. 
now. I mean, you're it is. one of the few people that's been able to just get by. I'll put out my novel when I put it out. And who, who knows how long that's going to last. <laughs> this might be the last time I'm going to be able to do that. But, um, you know, it's uh, whatever. I mean, I, I, this really doesn't like weigh on my mind that mm. heavily. I mean, I am happy to promote a book for my publisher. And, you know, of course, the other thing is that, you know, you, you do get to meet fans. Mm-hmm. And that actually is like last night at Barnes Noble here in New York. I mean, like, I was shocked at the size of the audience. It was like huge. And people had really personal things they wanted to tell me. Um, you know, and it was uh, sometimes I was really moved by a mm-hmm. lot of what they had to say in terms of their reaction to my work and how much it meant to them. And, um, you know, I don't know. It really it makes it kind of worth it. Well, when you say that you're kind of the same age as your characters, are, are you also the seems like you're the same age of your fans or I mean, have people I'm, moved along with you or no. there's still young people? I think I was the oldest person yeah. at the signing last night, except for maybe one or two people who work in my publishing house. And even then, I don't know. It was a much, much younger crowd. And um I would say 90% of them were in their 20s. Yeah. And it was um it was interesting. You know, yeah. it was interesting that another, you know, my generation who were responding to the novels at first. I mean, I thought, okay, well that's it. And the fact that the novels are resonating with another generation, you know, I don't know, what more can a writer ask for? I mean, really, what more can you yeah. ask for? I mean, that's that's like that's great. And I guess for you know, you know that feeling of alienation is always going to be there. It's. I think you hit it on the head. I think that's really it. And and honestly, I don't know if I was that conscious about it when I was working on you know the earlier books. I mean, I was really again just writing about myself. And when I wrote Lesson Zero, I thought no, no more than two hundred of my people I know in my high school would have read the book. We'll, we'll end up reading this book. And then you know, twenty five years later, I mean, I'm still getting like you know fan mail from people in. India, <laughs> you know, say I re- I really respond to this book. It it speaks to me, and that's just something that you consciously can't capture. It was just something I wrote when I was nineteen, and I guess the fact that I wrote it at nineteen is really what resonates with young people, and um, and that's really cool. Imperial bedrooms is the new one, Brett. Thanks so much for stopping by. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'll see you next time through. Yes. Five six years, <laughs> definitely. I'll be here.
XM202. Ron and Fez. Happy ball itself has its own energy. Or life force, if you will. Its natural environment is in the home. So why don't you send them home? <laughs> send them home. Just send them home. Time to go home there, Bob. Why didn't you just go home? Show. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Brett Easton Ellis uh, was just in here with us. It's uh, very weird. Um, since Dave left, so many people that I know Dave would have loved to have met have came by and done the show. Uh, to me... Out of and I've discussed this before in all the arts. It's still novelist is king, and to be that guy who writes along with the generation is the fucking American fantasy, the great American novel. I think, even though um, it might seem a little antiquated, it's still the fucking thing to pull off. It's crazy how uh, he's only written about four or five books. Or I think he's written six, six altogether. Um, like, I thought he's, it feels like he's written more, but I would be so weirded out in between. And like I said, you know, he is a guy who has a really well-known name, but it's always surprising that you don't see him on MSNBC going, "I saw this whole thing coming." I, you know, pointed it out in my book uh, because he's written about the culture for so long, and the really, you know narcissistic fucking money doesn't necessarily make people happy side of the culture uh a matter of fact i read uh i sat down to read this book and it was one of those deals where all right i'm gonna take a few days to read this book and just fucking read it straight through so i really want to reread it because i was just like come on clay be fucking better than this i need you to fucking get your shit together no. Uh, but when I told him he wrote about horrible people doing horrible things, I saw him cringe a little bit. I'm telling you the truth, folks. Some horrible shit happens in this. And I'm sure if you read his other books, you know exactly where I'm coming from. But there's always this coldness that underlines the horrible violence. It's just a sick indifference where they just it's accepted. and it's That's like, what oh, I was looking yeah. for, sick indifference. It's fucking very great how he, he does it. Uh, so he's one of your guys, huh? You, you dig him? Yeah, I've, I've, I think I've read almost. I think I've read everything except Lunar Park and this new one. So the last one I haven't read, but I think I've read everything else of his. And almost all of them have been made in the movies. Yeah, just about all of them. I think Rules of Attraction, he said he liked more than anyone else did. But a lot of people tend to say that about the things that aren't as successful, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, you ever fucking hear, like. Talk to a fucking band. What's your favorite album? Oh, the one no one bought. I love that one. Um, Let's go on a bike. I need some more royalties. Let's go over here to uh, Pat. Pat, you got a spy report update for us? Yep, spy report. Spy report. Uh, spy report. Uh, news is reporting. Uh, General McChrystal's out and Petraeus is in. Um, so McChrystal, uh, they accepted his reg resignation? Yeah, they're saying that um, he's out and that they're just going to give it to uh, General Petraeus since he's already there. Um, yeah, I, it's such a – it's just one of these things that, you know, once you fuck up like that, you're just going to find yourself out. 
And like Kissinger was even asked, should uh, the president ask for the resignation or accept the resignation? And Kissinger's like, yeah, you got to. Once someone crosses that fucking line, you have to do it. They have a whole protocol on how to be. But on the other hand, it doesn't exactly mean that the war is going to be going on any better. Hey, what did you get signed by him, Fez? I got a copy of the new book, um, also Less Than Zero, and American Psycho. Copies of Very each of those. nice. So that's all signed <coughs> by Brett Easton Ellis. Very, very cool. I'm going to go over and look at his... Uh... I, you know what? I could just keep the three of these and have that as like, oh, I have a lot of signed books. Yeah, including Imperial Bedrooms there. That was really fucking cool. Did you love those things and um, and uh, that I brought up to him, Hicks, in uh, American Psycho, where he would just go on and on about fucking bad music? Oh yeah, that was hysterical. And that's how I get if I if somebody starts talking too much about Coldplay to me now, I'll be just like, what goes on in this lunatic's head? You just meet somebody who's into something white bread really strong. Sometimes when I hear uh, Fez going on and on about American Idol and who should have won, it all, it it gives me an American Psycho thing. You don't like to read it all, Fez? No, I have t attempted it. I have picked up books. Uh, uh, you ever heard of this gentleman before he came in? Um, honestly, no. I've heard of the books. I've heard of the movies. Did you watch the movies? Uh, I think I watched Less Than Zero years ago. So, But that was it. I haven't seen American Psycho or any of the other ones. Brian, you're on Run Fez Show. Right. First of all, Fez, you got to see American Psycho. I mean, it's a great movie. Never mind the book. It's crazy. But there's one part of American Psycho... Ron, that I, that I don't know if you remember, but I really always struck a chord with me, and it's when they go out to these really, really fancy restaurants in the city, and they order these, like, 150 or $200 meals, and they don't eat anything. And, I, I, you know, every time I go out to one of those restaurants, I'm always thinking about that. I don't know why. Well, that's because he was with models, and they were coked up. Everybody was coked up. So they went out to the place to be, you know, but uh, that was, it was almost like putting his status symbol in front of you. You know, it, um, you bring about this all the time. It's like some fucking guy who he's going and let's say go skiing. So he goes and gets the outfit and he gets new skis and all and maybe uses it once. And some other guy who like lives on a mountain, skis every day, could never afford any of this shit. What's even funny was in the, when they would go to these downtown clubs dressed in their suits and just fucking doing gag in the bathroom and just standing out like with dicks. And like a punk club in the 80s. Uh, it's still like that downtown. I mean, everyone will talk about the downtown scene, but the guys that go in these bars buying fucking Cristal and, you know, having the chicks around them are going to be those yeah. fast money guys. And the thing is, when you're overpaying like that, right, and you're in the money business... It shows that the whole money thing doesn't mean shit to you. It's almost like a dope dealer will get money, and because he didn't kind of properly earn it, he goes through it really fucking fast. Oh, yeah. 
Um, the Wall Street guys are always the same way. They're just like, this is just fucking paper. Doesn't mean shit to me. It's just worthless. Uh, Dan has a moral conundrum for us. Hey, Dan. Ron, how you doing? Good. All right, man. So, uh, you know, I'm broke as shit right now. About 20 minutes ago, go to the bank. You have to actually go to the teller to take out some cash. I'm leaving the bank. Find this chick's wallet on the ground out in the back, right? Mm -hmm. It's got a ton of cash in it. It's even got one of her paychecks. I'm definitely, you know, giving the wallet back, taking it in. Do I take the cash, though? Now, why would you ask me that opinion? I mean, obviously, you're ready to do something that you know is wrong, so you make a little fucking money for yourself. Why do you want me? Why do you want my karma involved in this? Because Ronnie B, I need I need a bag, and uh, if you tell me it's okay, it's okay. Uh, then it's not okay. All right. All right. Thanks, brother. Hand it Thanks. all back in. Hand it all back in. I'm not gonna have this set on my goddamn shoulders. This isn't my sin to carry. You got your own stuff. You should steal it. It's too late. You don't get anything out of that opinion. And then find, find out where she lives from her address and rape her. All right. See that? This is why we're on an XL. I'd like to be out there on a regular channel. Burn her house down. Let me just say this. Everything that Higgs says is a joke. Should I dump out? Yeah, dump out of yourself. I wish you could dump out of your life right now, the way you're going. Me too. <laughs> I guess you basically have... You do have that sick indifference towards life. Sometimes, yeah. Plus, I love Huey Lewis in the news. That was really fucking cool. You know what's really fun? I could go out to dinner tonight with Brett. You are? Oh, yes. Wow. Was that weird, though? I don't think so. If it's just dinner, right? Just going. Just I would like to be thought of as one of the new 80s hot novelists. Well, if you've seen it at the fucking at goddamn Spago or whatever with Brett. Spago? There's no Spago in New York. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, when do I you don't... get to go out? Uh, Rorschach, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, two, two things I love about American Psycho. I read I read it when I was back in college. Uh, one, he had a character from one of Jay McHenry's yeah. uh, Bright Lights Big City in American Psycho, which, you know, that was like a cool little reference thing. And then also, you know, you were talking about the music, how he goes on about the bad music. He also went on and on and on about men's beauty products. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It was fucking amazing. And I think that's where, I think that's the first place I ever read about thread count and sheets. And right. remember the thing about the right kind of business card. And um, yeah. yeah, it was materialism at its just fucking most grotesque. Yeah. I mean, it was like he had this whole, it was like pages and pages of, well, I got this moisturizer at Saksmith Avenue, and then I found this little uh, shampoo at a Chinese uh, place off of, in Chinatown, and I mean, it was so great just just reading the minutiae of it. Rorschach, you know, do you think you got a novel in you? 
Oh, I, I definitely do. Yeah. yeah. I know for a fact I don't. I just don't. <laughs> I don't like to fucking work at things. Now, there's nothing more I like than reading a novel. And uh, Rorschach is very fucking funny because when I, I, I pick this one up, it kind of reads like his other ones, and you just go through it too fast the first time. You know how that yeah. can happen with a novel. You're just like, ah, fuck, twelve pages left. <laughs> you know, but um, the thought of writing that novel to me, and then when you, you know. Whatever you ever, the, the weird thing about it is, I guess I have that fantasy, a guy's writing a novel, he's having a fucking glass of bourbon while he does it, and you know, like, oh, this is it, it's perfect. And But really, they all just kind of describe it as it's not that pleasant of a situation. Right. It's like really hard homework for years. Torturing themselves. <laughs> and then fucking imbeciles grade you, you know, people you know who are working. Yeah. I just drop it off. Yeah, but uh, you. What would your novel be about, Rorschach? Um. You know what? It would probably be about my life and just how I love my. Uh, uh, what do you call the? Uh, um, when, when machinery breaks down. Um, Repairmen. Yeah, something like that. You know, I mean, it would just be about like how. Well, I was on this one curve, and then all of a sudden, I just hit this groove where I just, you know, slowly started descending and descending and descending. But as I started descending, I, I got happier and happier and happier. Oh. Yeah. I'm loving that idea. <laughs> now, the self-loathing in your Twitters are always interesting. When you'll turn on yourself in your Twitters. Oh, yeah. And just beat yourself up. Constantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and again, you know, I think this was about that first. I guess all the 80s novels, the great 80s novels, were pretty narcissistic. But yeah. uh, this one, where the fucking characters are saying, uh, dude, this has nothing to do with you. Like, he thinks he's in the, and he, you know, puts himself in the middle of these ugly situations. Right. But. It is his own fucking fault. It reminds right. me of all of us. And and I was so into that shit in college. I even knew Jay McHenry was dating Marla Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? do, do you remember Spy Magazine used to just fuck with oh, all them whenever they went out? I had a subscription. Yeah. I had a subscription to Spy Magazine. The greatest issue ever was 1001 Reasons O.J. is Guilty. Uh, my favorite thing was they used to call Donald Trump a short-fingered vulgarian. Right. And uh, it was always my any fucking part of that. Anyone who didn't like Trump in those days, I was a big fucking fan of. And to hey. see how widely accepted he is now as a wise man. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember the one-off show that Spy Magazine did on NBC and Jerry Seinfeld was host? No. Yeah. I don't know this, and I definitely want to get a copy of it. But Jerry doesn't seem like he would fit in with them at all. Well, not you know, not now, but then you know, now he's Bob Hope, like you said. But yeah. Then it was a really interesting. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was a spot. It was like a two-hour thing one night. It was just a one-off, and it was Jerry uh, Seinfeld hosting a spy magazine special on NBC. So it was had to be the eighties. Everybody was yeah. hooked up, and you know, <laughs> I yeah. mean, oh, Jerry wasn't. 
Yeah, no, Jerry, I don't think ever was. No. Uh, all right, Rorschach, I want to read right, that man. novel, bro. I found it on YouTube. Hey. I, uh, him what is this? It's what? Spy How to Be Famous. Sounds awful. I'll have to give it a watch one day. The whole two hours is on YouTube, Fez? Um, this looks like it's like a three-minute clip. So that wouldn't be it. Uh, Travis, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Uh, you said a minute ago that you don't think you've got a novel in you. No, I know I don't. You know, you Stephanie Meyer, Paris Hilton, and Pamela Anderson all have novels in them. You're None of them wrote novels. They wrote show business bullshit books. No, actually, Paris Hilton wrote a regular, like, actual novel. Sure she did. If you Wait a minute. If you're telling me, could you put your name on someone else's novel, yeah, I could do that. Get me okay, a ghostwriter, well, and I'll say I wrote it. I'd be great pitching it. I'd be great walking around with it. I just... Um, don't have that thing to stick with something. Now, I think it'd be great to co-write a book with someone. I'll co-write with anyone. I'll co-anything with anybody. But just like in school, you're going to be doing most of the work. Just like Fez does on this show. Did I ever thank you for fucking me? Hoisted me up on on your back and carry me up this hell, Fez. No, you didn't. Let me just say it now, then. You don't have to. Why? It should be said. It should be said. It doesn't need to there be. There it is. It doesn't need to be said. There's that repartee that we have. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show. Uh, Fez, you wanted to give something away? Yes, we have a DVD set from HBO. It is season one of the show Hung, starring Thomas Jane. So season two is getting ready to start this Sunday on HBO at 10 o'clock, right before the new season of Entourage. So we, ha we have that to give away. All right. How are we going to do it? Um, let's see. I was thinking of uh, there was a story out of France where they showed that um, in women in a closed room are more likely to give a woman, uh, an, I mean, a guy they never met their number, a stranger that they've never met their number for a date, if there's a love song playing in the room, then as opposed to any sort of regular elevator music. They're more than twice as likely to give their number out. So I was wondering if guys had like a go-to song to romance the ladies with. What would a go-to song? You just put a song on when you're meeting a woman, like carrying a boombox around a bar? No, but like if you get a woman back to your apartment, what's the song? When you got her back to your apartment, that's fucking done, my friend. If she's going to come up to your fucking home with you. Play the hammer down. That's yeah. Fine. That's not the fucking hard part. It's good. I'm drunk enough to come back with you. Um, here is uh, Brad, Atlanta. You're on Run of Fez. Hey, buddies. I got a moral conundrum. All right, let me play this. Oh, no. It's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. Hi, right, guys. I've had this uh, semi-relationship with a stripper. 
And I found semi. out that she has lymphatic Literally, skin. you've got a semi during your entire relationship. All right, go ahead, Brad. In this relationship, I found out that she has lymphatic cancer. Mm-hmm. And she's sure starting she to ask about more money on the side to help with treatments or whatnot. Do I go ahead and go farther into this financially? Absolutely, I- yes. Yes, because she has cancer and you have to help her. So keep giving her money. You she, think she's lying? No, not at all. Not at all. I think she, you and her have a different relationship than she does with the other guys that she dances for. That's why she could tell you this. Now, she's trying to get out of dancing, right? And all you got to do is turn over your cash as she battles back this cancer. And if she doesn't make it out, then basically I've got a good relationship and not have to worry about the emotional side of it. Oh, that's exactly right. It works. At, it, you're the big winner here. You're paying a stripper who has cancer, and that's perfect. Sounds good to me. All right. All right. All right. Spin and win. Whatever it stops on is what you get. A bear dog every time. You ought to spin it. You ought to win a Who's up next? Um, let's go over here to Uppercut. You're in Ron Fez. Hey, uh, Ron, you already wrote a book, the, uh, Ron Dunnington's Line of the Day book. How I adore that book. Um, but I have to say this, without those guys writing it down, it never would have happened. I can only sit and say stuff and then have other people write it down. You know who was that way, Fez? Who? Jesus. I don't, I wonder if Jesus ever learned to write. If that might have been the problem. It was a rabbi. He was an educated man. He was a reader and a writer. Yeah, but I thought he was kind of self-taught. How could you be a rabbi if you're self-taught? I thought it was just because... It, uh, so he just said, I'm a rabbi? I thought that was like a term of endearment with him from like the disciples. Didn't know that. I thought he was an actual one. Where I think it was like, he, you know, he was well, going for, around... Uh, are you telling me that Jesus couldn't read? And right? I'm wondering. I don't think so. He was God. How could there have been something that he couldn't do? He chose not to do it. I mean, if I guess if he wanted to, he could have. Well, that's a lot different than couldn't. You did, first of all, you you just said I wonder if the problem was he couldn't write and couldn't read, and now you're saying he chose not to couldn't. That's like right now I'm not doing jumping jacks. Doesn't mean I can't. Uh, the Hung uh, DVD, Fez, you're giving it out. What do you play when a woman gets back to your apartment? Uh, Gavin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, how's it going? Yeah. Hey, that guy that was talking about paying out a stripper, is he really mm-hmm. that damn dumb? Is there that big a mark still out there? Absolutely. Strippers are Jeez. fantastic at this. God, tell him I got some investments. I need some money. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to step on her fucking... She's she's set this fucking thing up. It's not my job to step on it. You better take a run and jump into a damn solid wall. Uh, like he says, he's in a semi-relationship with a stripper. That guy's really fucked. Again, much more like the way Jesus wouldn't learn to uh, read and write. It's a choice. If you can perform miracles, you don't need to read or write. Like, he's got fucking magic powers. Does he? Oh, according to that crazy book, the Bible, he does. Why do you got to call it crazy, Hicks? There's magic in it. 
I didn't see you putting on the Lakers, and they had magic. And they were unbelievable. Uh, Alex in Miami, you're on Fez. Fezzy, how about this song? If you get the, the woman up there to your thing, you play, uh, Hey, We Want Some Pussy by the Two Live Crew. Huh? I mean, you know, right right in the face. Just that blunt with it. So well, he, I mean, does not? he win, Fez? Um, yes. Love you, Fezzy. No, I don't think he wins. I think it's a little too blunt. Mm. What happened? I think I had a stupid idea. No, what was the stupid idea? Because I did, I brought up a song thing, and then I'm so stupid uh-huh. that I realize I don't know music, and yet I was dumb enough to bring up a song thing. So that's kind of dawning you, on me now. You didn't take any muscle relaxer today, did you? No, I didn't. Huge mistake. Yesterday was the Fez's back day. Yeah. Today, I see you keep getting mad at yourself. A lot of mistakes. There's no such thing as a mistake in radio. The only mistake in radio is listening. They're the fuckers. They're the, uh, they're the fucking rubes. We're the strippers saying that we have cancer. That's the beauty of this. Um, Dave, you're on running Fez. Yeah. I say the music that it play, any face is that Michael Blue Blade. It makes this girl Katie get so wet. Michael Blue Blade, Fez is he a winner? You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say Michael Blue Buble <laughs> wins a set of DVDs. So the game's over? Well we 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 have more, but I'm gonna say yes, that Michael Buble wins. What's what do you what do you like about him? Um What's I, the song? What's the go to song? I saw him on Saturday Night Live one time. You thought he was good? Well, it was like, I can understand your lyrics at least, but it sounded like some... Huh? It was a song, I, I can't remember what the song was. But you liked it? Yeah, I believe this was it. This was it? I've got you. No, that was Frank Sinatra it. song. That wasn't it. Alright, who won the DVD? Michael Bublé? Yeah, Michael Bublé. How did he win? Who are we giving it to, Fez? The singer? No, we're giving it to uh, Dave. For what? For Michael Bublé. But that's not a song. Right. I'm very stupid today. Why? You're not stupid at all. Jim, Oklahoma. Hey, yeah, I got a go-to song for you, Fezzy. How about Pussy Control by Prince? Fez? It sounds good, but I, I'll say no. A little too blunt again. Have you heard the song? No, I haven't. And the Buble thing wasn't even an actual song. It was just an artist. It was just a name, right? Could you go beyond this? And just say a state? No, it really should be a song from now on. What about this? West Coast. No, that doesn't count. Uh, Jay, you're on running Fez. Fezzy, it's yeah. obvious. You need to play Lola by the Kinks. 
Lola Fez? You know this one? Fez. Yeah, yeah, I know this one. What are we doing with the contest? What's going on with you? Uh, I made a stupid mistake starting this contest. Why? You got to give out a DVD, right? Or did we already give it out? I gave one out already. So is that the end of the contest? Yeah, that should be the end of it, I guess. Hi, you're, hi, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Ron and Fez. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah. Oh, this is Ron? What can we do for you? How about uh, I touch myself by the divinal? Fezzy. Doesn't sound romantic, no. You know the song? Um, that song I think I know. How's it go? I touch myself. That's the same uh. thing that he said. Jim, West Virginia. I'm saying So Hot by Kid Rock. Fezzy. Don't know the song. You don't know the song. How can you not know So Hot? What kind of contest is this, Fez? Really, really stupid and bad and only a one that a lunatic would come up with. Only a severely retarded person would think of this. I don't understand the So Hot song. Joey in Utah. Yeah, I like to bring home the ghetto bitches and my go-to song is Fat Bottom Girls. What do you think, Fat Bottom Girls, Fez? Don't know it. All right, what pocket do we got to get in here to win this? I guess maybe a song that I do know. So the new game is named songs that Fez knows. National Anthem. I know that one. So does that win? Well, you're not eligible to win. But if somebody else said it. See, I think to try to... What what is your I'm not sure where to go here. But if you like brought a broad home, right? And you try to turn her on by playing a national anthem, wouldn't she be standing at attention the whole time? Let me point something out to the national anthem. If you're going to fucking sing it, sing it loud, sing it strong. If you are not, you stand kind of at attention quietly. Don't be one of those guys who just slightly moves his lips. I fucking hate seeing that on TV. Saying it hard or not at all. Uh, Mike, you're on running Fez. Hey, I'd say go to song, Buck Cherry, Crazy Bitch. What about Crazy Bitch, Fez? I don't know the song, so uh, no DVD set. All right, this is becoming a difficult game to fucking win. It's very difficult now. I've made it incredibly difficult. Did you plan on this game? Is this something you improvised or you wrote down and decided, I want to do this? Um, I had the idea and then thought it was a good idea. And then until I said it out loud, didn't realize what an incredibly dumb idea it was. Why is it a dumb idea? Because I asked people to call in and tell me song names and I don't know any songs. I just need to be locked up again, I think. This may have been the worst idea ever. 
Well, it seems like it makes sense. You got DVDs to give out. You brought up, uh, you know, this other fucking event. You read this story. Should have all tied together. Hey, uh, is Small Talk was is I forget his name. Small Talk, our our intern. Yeah, is he a big Brett Easton Ellis fan? Hey, yeah, he loves him. Yeah, oh, because I saw him get the chance to meet him. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, he decided to try to have a conversation with Brett Easton Ellis. What was he saying? Uh, that he had read the first couple of pages of Less Than Zero and was really liking what he had read so far. A twenty-five-year-old book. Mm-hmm. Okay. He said, Toby saying it was a great conversation. He's small talk, this guy. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, tell Fez that he's going to like uh, Alan Jackson's like Red on a Rose. Fezzy? I don't know Red on a Rose. I don't know any Alan Jackson songs. Uh, Joe, you're on Fez. Joe. Oh, hey, what's up, man? Yeah. Fezzy, use uh, the What What in the Butt song. I don't know that song. Well, you've been using all this time to promote your DVDs, right? Well, yeah, it's Hung, uh, season one on DVD, and Hung is premiering the second season this Sunday on HBO. What about William Hung? To win Hung? Well, that's American Idol. Right. Like, you would play a William Hung song to win a Hung DVD. Oh, well, okay. I'm just trying to help out a little bit. Yeah, we could definitely do that. Then I won? Definitely do what? If you if we play a William Hung song. That's Then I'm the winner? No, you're not eligible to win. Then what can we definitely do? Um, maybe another contest or just, you know, or, you know, a numbered caller or something. A numbered caller? What do you mean by that? Like a ninth or tenth caller. So you just want to do ninth caller wins? I don't want to, but at this point, I've screwed myself up so bad. Didn't you already give away the DVD collection? Yes, I did. So what will we do with the ninth or tenth caller? We we could have given away another one if we wanted. Oh God! If I what? I'm just trying to understand. Why don't you have a couple of days to do this? Yeah. But you want to give out a ninth caller now? No, no. We well, we gave out the DVD. We should stick with that and just give out another one on another day. All right. But why did you say give out to the ninth caller? Because I was just trying to think of some way to salvage this contest. Salvage what? You gave it out. Right, but then I mean, I didn't know what to do, so you I wanna, gave it out to the. Do you want to take it back from the guy who originally won it? No, I'm not going to do that. And I give it to the ninth caller. Uh, Bear in Maryland. Hey, buddy. I got a song for you, Fezzy, by the Dead Kennedys. It's titled Too Drunk to Fuck. Does that work? I'm going to say no because I don't know the song, and I don't know if fuck should be in the title. Why not? It's HBO. It doesn't seem real romantic. I didn't get the uh, initial premise. What was the initial premise? The initial premise would be, what would be your go-to song to get uh, a, a lady in the mood? So that's what it was? That's how it started out. So, 
And then I've taken it into the national anthem, William Hung, and Ninth Caller. You didn't say any, though. Well, you said Ninth Caller. I said national anthem, and I said William Hung. So do I win? Where are you going? Where do you... I'm you, panicking. You trying to get away from the mic? Uh-huh. The muscle relaxer was your way to go yesterday. I was afraid it was going to down me out too much because I was still feeling it, even mm. all like yesterday afternoon. Just loving it. And, loving that feeling. And I was afraid I was going to get too... Too good? Too out. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, Fez will draw against you. Why don't we do a thing where you're drawing against the callers? Best drawing wins. All I know how to draw is the standard graffiti penis. Why don't we do the can you stump Fez on Brett Easton Ellis trivia? Uh, right back. Run a Fez show. Sirius 197 XM 202. The virus. Connect with Ron and Fez. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-766-0339. The HBO comedy series Hung, it is back, and it's back for a second season. It premieres this Sunday on HBO at 10 o'clock in the East, right before Entourage. What's the show, Fez? This is Hung. Is that the one they do the big music contest for? It may be. But uh, this is the, the story of Ray uh, Drecker, who can't make ends meet. He's a high school teacher and a coach, so he ends up working as a gigolo. Doesn't he have Sam Drecker's store? That's a different show. That's Green Acres. This is Hung with starring Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane, of course, you know from The Punisher and 61. Now he stars in the HBO series for a second season, Hung. You know where I know him from? Where? Hung. So Hung on HBO this Sunday night. It's the second season. It's back. And there's a new pimp era coming around. So there's going to be a pimp battle for Ray Drecker. No! Yes, there's a pimp battle coming no. up in the second season. Who was the pimp from last year? That's Tanya. Uh-huh. Tanya. So now uh, Lenore is going to also try to be <laughs> pimping Ray Drecker. So it all happens this Sunday on HBO. Oh, my God. It's the second season of Hung this Sunday, 10 uh, in the East, 9 Central. What if you live Rocky Mountain? Uh, that would then be, I think it still comes on. Why can't you, you think should be this? It's time for you to hang with Hung. I'm going to pass that along to the HBO people. Who do you know there? Well, I could talk to our sales rep and maybe they can pass it along. Who's our sales rep for this? This is Lee. All right, Lee. Rockin'. So it's hung this Sunday. The second season premieres only on HBO. <laughs> the Rod and Fed Show. On Sirius XM. The virus. If you stop by 7-Eleven stores this summer, you not only get refreshed with the Big Gulp drink, you also get gifts for your favorite online games. Games. My favorite is Mafia Life Chris's game. Well, this this is for the games Mafia Wars, Farmville, or Yoville. You'll get special codes. Yoville! You'll get special codes for things to add to your online games when you get a big gulp with your favorite. You hear that? Drink. We're using code names. We all using code names. With Farmville? Hi, Fuzzy. 
It's cold out. You better come inside, boy. Now, with Farmville... You got a special code. A code like no one's ever had before. You can get the big splash pool. That's for your cows to swim in while you're playing Farmville online. <laughs> Splashing cows. That's silly. Then there's also the Yoville hamburger stand. No. As you build up your community in Yoville. And for It's just fun, Fez. And for Mafia Isn't Wars. Isn't it? I guess a lot of people seem to be enjoying these games. And for Mafia Wars, you can pick up the Trio Diva vehicle as you're taking on rival gangs. All these codes for these games, they're available when... You know who had one of those? Joey Gallo. I didn't know. Of course he didn't. Not going to have some kind of a made-up car because you're in the Mafia. So all these codes, only available at 7-Eleven. It, baby, it's code outside. And when you buy the Big Gulp drink from the 7-Eleven stores... So this is open to legal residents of the U.S. and Canada, excluding Puerto Rico and Quebec. You must be 13 years or older to participate. That's because this stuff, as the uh, 12-year-olds wouldn't understand it. We're a 13-year-old's party. Take some maturity to run a farm. Huh? So you can visit by... Mm. Well, if you're running a farm, you've got responsibilities. You can visit buyearnplay.com. They're going to have the full terms and conditions there. Void where prohibited and while supplies last only at 7-Eleven stores. <laughs> the Rod and Fed Show. On Sirius XM. The virus. You're a Jizza, the genius. Right. And you're a Rizza, a.k.a. Bobby Jizza. Yeah, you know it's said Bobby, yo. You know it's said Bobby. And you're a Bill Murray. Bill Groundhog Day ghost busting ass Murray. Who you gonna call? I know. Just don't kill me. Back with the Ronda Fed show. On a Wednesday, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. That's 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. You can always follow at 202friends on Twitter.com. The Christian group, the American uh, Family Association, they're going after President Obama for his Father's Day proclamation, where he was saluting families and fathers. And when he was doing that, he was talking about different kinds of families, and the president said... He included families with two fathers. So now, of course, the American Family Association is criticizing Obama for trying to promote a gay agenda. Now, the White House comes back and says, the president did this on Mother's Day and said the same thing about two mothers, and no one complained at all. We never heard word one from the American Family Association. So as I'm thinking about this, I'm wondering now, I mean, I know it's anti-gay, but it seems like it's anti-man as well. Where mothers can do no wrong, that's what a kid needs, but if it's fathers, then for some reason, that's too bizarre. That's too strange. Yeah, I think it's bad enough having one father. 
So I think if you want to grudge the board, who did a better job raising their kids? Mothers would beat fathers at least 20 to 1. Two fathers, one of them is definitely going to be an asshole. Hex, where are you on this one? Yeah, I could have gone without a father at all. You would have much rather not had a father. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it got to learn that hamsters is a racist term, but that's mm-hmm. pretty much about it. Not much a good, not as much fathering from a junkie. Well, now you have Kia to teach you that. So I think it's just a situation where they see fathers basically as buffoons. There you have it, Fez Watley. Laying the whip down. You know what you're saying, Fez? Mm-hmm. Straight guys should stick together with gay guys. We're all in this together. We're one community. What's this game coming up, Hicks? Germany? Uh, yes, Germany. No, I need Germany to lose. Because I don't want to play them, right? No, I don't know. Who are they playing against today? Ghana. I'd rather play Ghana than Germany. Yeah. Although Ghana fucking is tough, too. I mean, we're out of this first round. There ain't going to be any gimmies for us. Although, I'll never forget the excitement of that win today. I felt really good. I know. Particularly since I'd screamed so hard at my house before I came here. Thinking we had that goal. We could have had, like, seven goals today. Should have been beating. All right, Fez. Straight guys sticking up for gay guys? That's what we need. The fathers. Sounds like you're putting together a coalition. They're coming in. Not much of a community. Not where you Dave, you're on running Fez. Yeah, man. I uh, didn't know if you guys heard about the... Uh earthquake that just hit Quebec. I didn't know you had earthquakes up there. Well, I'm in, uh, I'm in Erie, PA. We felt it all the way down here, but they, I guess they got a 5.5 about 25 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we're all sitting on a fault line out there. Uh, Dude, I just felt it in New York just now, so it's slowly coming down 95. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No, just a little spy report for you. Thank you. Uh, what was that person's opinion? We need Germany to win so we can play who? Then they hung up. Get it from small talk. Germany has to win so we play Ghana, is what that person on the phone was saying. Oh, okay. Good news then. Let's go Germany. I'd rather play Ghana. All right. Because make- we're going to beat the asses. Um, all right, so we're not going to play. All right, so we can we we won't be playing Germany. We'll be playing Ghana, Serbia, or Australia, and now England will be forced to play Germany. Is that the deal? That's what would happen if Germany wins. Oh, only if Germany wins. I think. I think is there. I think it's still up for grabs. Who's going to be number one out of that group? Um, Pat, Mississippi, you're on my Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, I was telling, wanted to tell Fez he's missing the point on his complaint uh, about Obama because, as everybody knows, 
two moms is pretty hot, but there's just nothing more disgusting that makes you want to puke than think about two dudes. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. That one look like it stung you, Fez? A little bit, yeah. Didn't expect to hear that on this station, huh? After bringing that up? No, I should have. Um, but you had that comeback, right? All right, here's how it's going right now. Ghana has four points, Germany three, Serbia three, Australia one. So, yeah, Germany will want to win this fucking game. Let's see what you got. Boy, those fucking Ghanas are fast, huh? Now I don't even know if I want to play them. Yeah, they're not a bad if, team. If Germ- Well, hell, it looks like they're going to win their division or at least finish second. Uh, if Germany loses today, they might not even move on. That would be a gigantic uh, story. Um, and that would take out my brackets as well. Jeff, you're on running fed. Well, everybody's brackets. Is, there's no one that didn't have Germany down. You can't worry about that, Fuzz. Um, here's Jeff. You're on running fed. Hi, uh, Ron. Uh, if Australia wins and Ghana wins, uh, U.S. would play Australia. That's what we want to play. Yeah, that would be better. But what's the odds of that happening? That uh, we play the Socceroos? Probably nil. No, that's so <laughs> fucking funny. John and Georgia, you're around a Fez. Yeah, Ronnie B. Could he have been talking about when he said two fathers, like your stepfather and your real father? Because, you know, calling somebody gay is the worst thing you can call somebody. Mm. Um, Scott in Houston. Yeah, Fezzy, how, how would you feel if uh, you had two dads squirting your ass crack out when you were a kid? That would been pretty cool. One was bad enough after a former beach trip. What was the summary? The story about um, when I came home from the beach and got my ass hosed out. He ain't going to do it now. You're too big for that. You are too big for that. You never have to worry about that again. Um, here's uh, Greg in Miami. You're on my face. Hey, uh, my neighbor had two dads. And uh, he threw up constantly for 21 years as a child. Hmm. Could, couldn't stand to look at it. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Hey, how many callers have their own own theme song? Really just one. Only one guy has uh, his own theme song. And that, of course, is the blowhard. Blowhard, 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 fucking blowhard, fucking blowhard, fucking blowhard, fucking blowhard. You are boring, boring blowhard. Why are we in a thing with you, fucking blowhard? Blowhard, blowhard. Blowhard, blowhard, blowhard. Fucking blowhard, blowhard, blowhard. Fucking blowhard. Fucking blowhard. Fucking blowhard. Blowhard, what do you got, my man? Bravo. Just wanted to say, first of all, great win today. Was that incredible? Jesus oh, God, Christ. it was nerve-wracking, nerve-wracking. I know so many people who don't really care and, like, missed it and have no interest. And it's just such a great American American sports moment. It was just, 
it was a nice big step forward for the U.S. soccer program in general, just getting to the next round. And- you know, I was watching my PTI guys last night, and they repeated the phrase, well, this isn't our game, soccer. It isn't our game. And I'm like, we have a soccer team. <laughs> They're doing well. It is our game. And, you know, the guys who complain, they say there's not enough scoring. What about when we go sit at Yankee Stadium and there's like a pitcher's duel, nothing-nothing in the ninth inning? You know, it's like it's not just about scoring. You know, it, Some it, of my favorite games have been uh, like exactly that, pitcher's duels. Exactly, like it. But I'm just letting you know that if you played in the Ron and Fez brackets, uh, the points are already being posted as we speak. There's wow. already leaders and people who are getting points already. So if you're anxious about your pool I am. you want to see how you're doing, there are points already being applied to the pool. So I think we've got about 7,000 people tied to 30th place for some absurd number. But it's up there. It's starting now. And just wait to the knockout round. It's going to get really good. And by the way, Fez. Yes. A little Ron and Fez show history. That game show that you did, you guys did that in NEW, but it was worded just a little differently. It was, what song do you like to make love to or something to that effect? So it wasn't a bad premise. I think that you guys did that, and it was pretty successful because I think that if Peppa played the music, then you'd have a better idea of what the songs were as opposed to you just saying, I don't know it. If you heard it, you might know it. But you guys did that years ago. I never forget because you mocked me for picking the Ink Spots or some awful band. Has that made you upset that you said that? Yeah. You well, did a good job with that, actually. It wasn't a bad uh, topic. I mean, that's just my opinion, but, you know. Just I one man's did, opinion. That's right. And a man with a theme song. Blow hard, blow hard, blow hard. Fucking blow hard, blow hard, blow hard. Blow hard. Jed in Oklahoma. You're on running Fez. Hey, yeah. Uh, we got the gay talk today, and uh, I was wondering if Fez would cry for us. And you'd be perfect on our Q channel, Fez. Thanks. I'll go with you, Fez. <laughs> I'll do the Q. We'll fucking destroy those other shows. Things you like to suck. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. If we were on... and I, Well, I'm not going to fucking sit here and run down the other channels. I just don't know that if they put a lot of time into their... and thought into their show. What had you upset about what Blowhard said? Because not only did I have a dumb idea today... It's not a dumb idea. He just told you it wasn't dumb. I didn't think it was dumb. It was something that I had totally forgotten had come up before. Like one of your dinners? Right. So the forgetting thing just drives me nuts, too. Oh, I'm dropping again in the hardcores. I was doing so great there for a while. No, I'm dropping like a fucking rock. I hate the hardcore league. I get it. I did not get a chance to hear Sandy Kane on ONA today, but I walked past Times Square and saw her in her naked cowgirl thing. Uh, and apparently, Naked Cowboy owns the name. Something to that effect. And yeah, he's trying to sue the shit out of her. Literally? Possibly. I see her out there on a, uh, and it's right around the corner. So what'd she say to O&A? That he's bringing a lawsuit against her and that he's trying to sh- shut her act down. And he th- she thought they were friends. Apparently they come It's out. business, though. 
You can be friends and still have business. So she was upset about that. I have friends, but I don't want them using the name Ron and Hez and going around starting their own shows. Blow hard, blow hard, blow hard, fucking blow hard, blow hard, blow hard, fucking blow hard, fucking blow hard. And I think. Did I... you tell Blowhard about the, uh, whatever Mad Dog's craziness is that he wouldn't accept Dave for? He's now asking for stuff on the, uh, Oh, for having the guest host, guest sports yeah. host or whatever? I'll get that to him. He's looking for a new Kelly Lee. Uh, Peter, Massachusetts, share my face. Cry, baby, cry, baby, cry, baby, fucking cry, baby, cry, baby, cry, baby, fucking cry, baby, cry, Stop baby. Stop You don't need to be mean. You don't need to be cruel, you fucks. Uh, Andy Rooney says he's going to work in 60 minutes till he dies. I think that might have been a couple of years ago. Ouch. Poor Andy. Boy, Andy didn't go and let me hear to sing his song. What do you think? Will he make it that long, Fez? Uh, yeah, I think he will. I think they will actually even show it. If he's taping one of his segments and he well, keels over at his desk, they'll run it on Sunday. Since he only does one minute a week, the chances of catching him... I mean, there's a very little amount of uh, stuff that goes in here. He does what he calls the Andy-atorial, where no interacting, just out on your own. You got one of those for us today, Fez? I know you've been uh, doing some of those this week. No, I don't have one. What happened? You had one every day this week. Yeah, I, I actually had, well, I did have one and I left it upstairs. What is it? It was talking about the... Um, you want to go get it? If it, I can go get it. I mean, I can try to run up there. All right. There goes Fez. So what do you do? Read these back? You can't do it off the top? Uh, no, it's, uh, I usually read them. Okay. Um, Hicks. Yes. While he's gone, let's hide. I can turn the lights off and lock the door from the outside. Inside. <laughs> I'm going to fucking uh, just count the whole time he's gone. Call him on the phone right now and just say, like, Ron wants to know where the fuck you are. Blow hard, blow hard, blow hard, fucking blow hard, blow hard, blow hard, fucking blow hard. Um, it's Scott, Jersey, you're on my face. What's up, guys? Hey, Fez, I got a question for you. I, I Make sure you tell Ron was kidding. <clears throat> the, yeah, good. The uh, the outcry or the the more prejudice against two gay fathers is because typically they're well to do. They have a lot of money. They don't adopt out babies to two fathers that don't make any money. And I think that bugs, you know, a father like myself that's just trying to hustle. Why should he get credit for my day? You know what I mean? Well, one thing, gay guys always have a nice income between the two of them. I don't know what it is about that. You never run into a gay guy saying I can't find work. Never. At least a personal assistant. Yeah, they're always fucking doing great. Uh, Bob, you're running Fez. Yes, please stop the madness. Stop the madness. Bring back Dave. Please, God in heaven, uh, help us. That That is always up to Dave. We never sent Dave away. I know, but please, I'm praying. Sirius can do something about it, Ronnie. 
Well, hey, I think that crybaby song is going to catch on. Don't be, don't be mean, Bob. There's no answer. Oh, jeez. You don't think he left. You don't think he just skedaddled. You get no service on that elevator. You know, um... Holy shit. Looks like a score. Oh, we fucking blew it. You soccer-roo. I would love to be playing the soccer-roos. Might have even been an offside. Huh? I think I have them in my bracket. Really? I don't know. My bracket's all fucked up. Blow hard, blow hard, blow hard. Is there really a thing up there? Or is he writing it now? I think they're. I think he might be writing it now. Wait a minute. What color are the Socceroos? Did you get your script? Yep, I got it. This was about the Al-Qaeda has said they want to... Is it Al-Qaeda or Al-Qaeda? I think it's Al-Qaeda. Really? I always said Al-Qaeda. Or is it tomato or tomato? Tomato. So I think it's Al-Qaeda, or maybe it's Al-Qaeda. But either way, the terrorist group, they want to start... Now. They said they'll come up with some things if we agree... There can be peace. They'll, you know, the terrorism will stop. So some of the things they wanted was they want, of course, troops withdrawn from Iraq and Afghanistan. We can't be friends with Israel anymore. And free all Muslim prisoners that we're holding. All right. I see what you're bringing to the table. But we're going to have to have some things in return. First of all, we need commitment from Al-Qaeda. And what I mean by that is commit to growing real beards. Not these non-mustache, wispy pude farms that you guys keep coming up with. Also, number two on our demands, uncover the women a little bit. Right now, we're just seeing their eyes. That's not fashion. That's a people. Trust us. If the hood comes off and we see the girl version of the pube beard, we'll put it right back on. Number three, this is a biggie for us. Lose the beheadings. If you want to talk with us, we're going to need heads in order to do it. Number four, stop sending us your videos. We get it. You're very good at crossing the monkey bars while carrying weapons on your back. You don't need to send any more videos. We understand. You're tough, guys. And number five, Oh yeah, this is this is really the deal breaker. You have to stop blowing up our shit. Agree to this, and maybe we can work things out. Al Qaeda. All right, Fez Watley's top five. Uh, Bill, New Jersey, you're on running Fez. Hi, buddy. Fezzy, two days in a row. This is a phenomenal Jan Brady. Best one in years. Oh, no, that wasn't Jan Brady. That was demands for Al-Qaeda. Um, Matt, you're on my Fez. Yeah, is it pronounced Bible or Bibble? I believe Bible. 
So it's Bibles and Bits. Or Kybles and Bits. Hi, you're on the Run of Fez show. Fez, that was awesome. I'm just crying. It's Rob from Toronto. You're back, Fez. Fez is back. Fez is back. Oh, please. Fez is back. We don't Fez need to hear from the back. welfare countries. Thank you. Fez is back. Jameson, Long Island. It was terrific to hear Iris from Brooklyn. It's been a very long time, but it's great to hear her. Thank you. First of all, that was blowhard. Uh, Frank, you're on the Run of Fez show. Well, let me try again. Frank. Frank. Lost you. Hi, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, is that pronounced fesatorial or catty moment? That was Al-Qaeda demands. That wasn't either one, not fesatorial or catty moment. Where did you have those, Fez? Up in the uh, office? I had it sitting on my desk. Mm. Well, you only had five things. You couldn't remember them? I wasn't sh uh, No, I wasn't sure that I could. Or they have to be done word for word. I like to try to do it word for word, which helps me a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's, uh, I, I really needed a sheet. That is, I, that does show, why did that make you upset? It sounded like a stupid thing to say. Why? I don't know, it just sounded... Write down that then, then you would say it the way you wanted to. Um, let's go over to Bill, your money, Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Just imagine how good that would have sounded if Davy Red had read it. You still do the Davy Red character, Fez? That wasn't me, I didn't do Davy Red. Mm-hmm. Anthony, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, guys, little spy report here. Let me hit this, then. Spy report. Spy report. Uh, right now, well, ESPN took it off air because they're showing soccer, but the longest Wimbledon match, actually, it's the longest tennis match ever. It's over seven and a half hours so far. They're uh, in the sixth set, and both guys have 48 points in the, in the last set. They must be ready to die. They are. Uh, and then you don't want to spend seven and a half hours... And then uh, lose. Uh, Mike, Connecticut. Fezzi, that was the best insincere congratulations I've ever heard, man. Keep it up. Yeah, that was something different. Michael, Texas, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, great show. Fez, could you redo that, the Al-Qaeda demands, maybe in the uh, random soccer announcer voice for us? No, I'm not going to do that for you. You got it once. Hopefully you were recording. What's that? The the bit I just did about the Al Qaeda demands. You don't do the random soccer guy anymore, though. No, I haven't done that. I don't think it worked very well, so I try to move on to some different things. More about the Al Qaeda demands. In that direction. Uh, Steve, you're on my Fez. Yeah, Fez. I want to know: Does Al Qaeda have any chance of blowing up Sprint Airlines? I don't know. I'm just not sure. I don't think there is a Sprint Airlines. Uh, Jim, Chicago. Yeah, um, I did hear back from Al-Qaeda, and they do want to know um, if Megan Fox is going to be in the next Twilight movie and if Kristen Stewart is going to be in the next Transformers. What do and you guys do? You just sit down and write down any fucking mistake the guy makes? It's Fez's big book of mistakes. 
I think they're pulling from Fez's big book of mistakes. There is one, then? There must be. Is it in the office? No, it's not in the office, but there must be one somewhere. A lot of people like to consult it for their research. Any stuff up in the office for me to read? I don't think we have anything up there. You love reading. You love reading the the stuff, and then you love reading those um, commercials. I guess it's a little security blanket for me. If if I just jot it down, then I have it. Mm-hmm. And I know it's sitting there. What's sitting there? Well, the paper. All right, let me see if I could do it. Hand me your, hand me your act. This is a little hard to read. This is all handwritten. Oh, it is. Commitment number one. Commit to growing real beards. Not these no-mustache, wispy, pube forms. Farms. Oh, you may have an R, a weird R. Look how your R looks like a U. Does it? Um, Heather, you're on Run Fez. Hey, Fez, I've really, I've really been enjoying you, and um, I was wondering if, in honor of you, if I could start calling myself Hez. You will get a cease and desist. I will? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I, what if I paid him $500 a month? Yeah, well, there's also... That's okay, then. Like the Naked Cowboy, there's also the $5,000 licensing fee for a franchise. Then it's $500 a month on top of that. Jim, you're on Fez. Jim, go ahead, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a sixth demand for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want them to stop naming their family members where you can't pronunciate the name without spitting a little bit. Uh, Andrew, Texas, you're on Fez. Yeah, I just want to ask Fez maybe if he puts one of those word things on his arms with the bits, it might help him some. No, but thank you for consulting the big uh, book of Fez mistakes. What's that mean? That was a mistake I made yesterday. What was, Fez? That's, I said, that's the way for you to always set the table, set it up, boom. I said go. word thing instead of tattoo. There you go. Because not everybody listens every minute. Chris, Florida, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, Fez, great idea having Ric Flair take out Al-Qaeda. The nature boy. Woo! Stopping Al-Qaeda. That was not the nature boy. That was just Woo! me going over some demands. Nature boy. You got a very weak woo, sir. Very weak. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Uh, that is it for us, guys. We end with our phone number. The way we started.
See you guys tomorrow. Um, thanks very much, too. Uh, it was really exciting to have the opportunity to meet uh, Brett Easton Ellis and talk to him about his new book, Imperial Bedrooms. If you're a, a fan of his writing, I think you'll enjoy this one. Congratulations, USA. It's been a ball. Uh, that's the uh, Dubai show. Donk. Satellite of love. Satellite of love. I've been told that you've been bold with Harry, Mark, and John. Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday with Harry, Mark, and John. To watch things on TV Satellite of love.